Long has Bellicor waited for this moment. From the shadows, the first prince watched over the death of one world and the birth of eight others. He witnessed the wretch King Sigmar build a golden empire, a gaudy monument to his insufferable hubris, and ached to cast it into ruin. Yet, when the legions of the dark gods flooded into reality, this honor was granted to another, and Bellicor was condemned to feast upon the scraps. Archaon the Usurper, Archaon the Pretender, it was he who wielded the headsman's axe and thus laid claim to the grandest destiny of all. Consumed by bitter jealousy, Bellicor longed to drive his blade deep into his rival's throat, to flay the skin from Archaon's bones and condemn his pathetic soul to oblivion. But the first prince was no fool. With the favor of the dark gods behind him, Archaon could not be dethroned, not open so he dwelt in shadow, watching, waiting, weaving webs of intrigue that stretched across the realms, so that when the opportunity arose, he could grasp it in his talons and draw blood. That hour has now dawned. Once more, the realms echo to the sweet symphony of war and suffering. Hish is mauled, its loathsome light dimmed by the corpse fires of the great necromancer. The alliance between the gods of order has been fractured by treachery and mutual distrust. Archaon and his demon sorcerers expend their energies upon the corruption of ancient pathways long sealed to the followers of chaos. Not one amongst them senses the blade at their throat. The hour of the Dark Master has come, and the flames of his ambition will ignite the very heavens. The ruinous powers shall once again grant their favor unto the first prince, the one true champion of chaos, and that which is eternal shall be unmade. Welcome to the garage, you tools, for the next, oh, I don't know, two and a half, three hours. I'm going to do the best I can to keep you informed, entertained, and have a couple laughs along the way. Bringing you Bellacor, Garda Steel Soul, and a bunch of cool overlords and night haunts i'm david whitek and with me as always at the beginning of our show is Lindsay, the albino canadian hockey puck say hi Lindsay. right so we've got a lot going on this show today and uh we're gonna have to jump kind of into it so but right now i want to take a quick moment to thank the sponsors of garage hammer which includes chaos Orc superstore chaos Orc superstore chaos Orc superstore that's right and six squared studios six squared studios the number six the word squared studios.ca they have your basing needs. If you have, if you need someone that has a 3D printer and you have the rights to a to a file and you want to get it printed, talk to those guys. They can do it for you. They do all sorts of cool stuff. Um, Kevin and Brad are fantastic. And once again, as we said, Grognard Games because there's always something happening at Grognards. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, and of course, our Patreon sponsors, the people who donate to a free show because they think it's worth it and they own my heart 
Thank you all to the almost 1% who make this show and everything we do on it possible. That includes our associate producer, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opium Big Jake, our executive producer, Colin Miller, and our newest patron, Michael D'Amico. Thank you all. And thank you for our other existing patrons. And thank you for people who donated in the past. And thank you to anyone who's considering donating in the future because you guys are awesome. And I cannot thank you enough for what you guys do. Um, oh, and if you are a patron, check. I sent out uh, I messaged everybody in the patron. I had some questions and wanted to know what you guys thought about stuff. And only like six people have responded. So to the other people, I'd uh, love your opinion. That's why I sent it out there. So check your uh, Patreon page because um, I'm asking you, the patrons, what you want to see an upcoming Garage Hammer episode. So go check that out. Also, if you wanted to call the show and leave a voicemail and tell me something about your hobby or my hobby or the show or whatever, you can do that by calling 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Most international callers dial 00 and then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Don't have a voicemail right now, but that's okay because we got a lot of show coming up for you guys. A lot of show. I'm not kidding. So I'm actually going to just stop here and um, get into uh, the show. Going to take a commercial break, come back, and um, jump in with Bellacore. Uh, be right back. Folks, Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, 
Think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. We are back, and I'm back. Lindsay took off, and Chuck is back with us. Chuck Moore. Chuck, thanks for coming on again. Two in a row. What? what? Two in a row. I I am excited. <laughs> Don't. I am too. <laughs> and and two amazing lore lore books too. Like one's all about elves being awesome, and this one is just awesome being awesome. Yeah. Holy mackerel! And this is just crazy. Now, can I just say a couple of things before we dive into the book? Mm-hmm. Um, one. I really, I, I, first of all, I like uh, when they do the little title and they just do two pages. It's like uh, a heading and two, just two pages of, of whatever that part of the story is. Right. Nice little quick bites of story movement. So it's not like you're just reading and reading and reading and reading. They give you these little mini arcs within there and it's always just a quick two pages. And then it gets to that end. It's like, and then this happens. So it constantly feels like it's moving and like you're, you're making progress. Mm-hmm. The thing that's crazy about this one, and this one I think really sort of hammers it home, is you know you get these books, and first you read Wrath of the Ever Chosen, and then you read the next book, and then you read the next book, and then you read the next book, and it feels like the books are consecutive. Mm-hmm. And then you get to this, and you're like, this is all concurrent. Yeah, every single one of those books you said, Wrath of the Ever Chosen, Marathi, Teclas, and this, same exact time, because plans within plans of people making things happen. And it's like, okay, well, who's actually controlling the plan? <laughs> like, how much, how much of like what Marathi was doing was controlled from Bellacor? You know, like, like it, it doesn't always get into it, but it makes you think, like, wow, like, there's a lot going on in this this realm. Well, and then you're reading all this that's happening, and it's like, you know, and I guess, and maybe I just didn't know Bellacor's lore that well. I mean, I knew he wanted, he was the first, he mm-hmm. was like the first demon prince, and he, you know, he failed something, and so, you know, and he hates Archaon. But it's like, oh, no, he's actually really clever. Oh, is he now? And he's really clever, and he does all of this stuff, and he's moving in the background, and all of this stuff is happening because of – and, and I'm thinking about because of who? Bella, really? <laughs> Bellacor? Well, he he reminds me a lot of, like, like Doctor Who, the Doctor. You, you know, you get David Tennant, and you, you get all those seasons with David Tennant, which was ma- amazing. I love it. Oh, One yeah. of my favorite Doctors. But he's telling you how clever he is, and you're like, you're like please show me. That's like Bellacor. Bellacor from the Warhammer Fantasy, like – Oh, he's conniving. He's just backstabbing. He does all this sort of stuff. I'm like, okay, cool. This shows us. This is him being clever. It's great. It is great. And uh, you know what it reminded me of? There's a part in here I actually wrote in the book in the notes. It's like he's like he's like the AOS Abaddon. Yeah, it's like yeah. oh, there's a bunch of these different attacks, and they all seem completely random and and not thought out, and uh, and and all of a sudden these little things happen, and all of a sudden the entire world collapses around you, and you're like, wait, what? Well, I I think his personality that we get in this book about his like he's still trying, he's like constantly working on it is such a great thing compared to what they gave us with Archeon's like character now Archean's character now in the story that uh, from what even from Rumgate Wars he's just tired he's like okay all right like he's like he knows how to win at the game he's playing he's so it's like and he's like the boogeyman it's they just when he shows up you you know yeah you're done yeah Bellacory like I mean as we'll see he's not uh 
he's not all powerful. No, and but, they, but and he's I, powerful. But he is powerful. I like how they point out that he's very different from Archeon too. His his plan is to set, he's got a very Marathi sort yeah. of you know he's a schemer. He's not a. I'm just going to come in riding in on my mount and kill everybody. You know, there's two ways to play this. I could kill everybody and then I win. Or it's like I could set all of this stuff up and all these other people are doing things for me. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I step out and I'm like, okay, and now this, boom. And it's, oh, this was so clever. In fact, it, got, it, it was clever to the point where when we get to the end, and I'm not going to spoil it because we're going to get to the end, I was like, wait a minute. He, the, wait, what? Like, he's where? <laughs> like, this didn't, because uh, I'm like, oh my God, he's got it. Like, he's, this has got to, you know. Uh, so here, and, let, and, let's jump let's in, go I guess. Oh, go, no, go ahead, go yeah, ahead, go ahead. I was to say, the ending of this book made me want to get an army. And we're going to, like, I, I was just like, I, I haven't had the urge from reading a lore, like a small couple chapters going like, I need this army because holy crap, this is, this is what I want. <laughs> They filled out. Okay, first of all, you get the the overlords. Mm-hmm. The overlords finally interested me. Like they were they were interesting when yep. they came out, but it was like, eh. Reading this, I'm like, oh wait a minute. There, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. and then with with what their future holds, like potentially, like it's not Bellacor. I don't want to slay. I have slaves Dark Army, but I don't want to add Bellacor to it. That's fine. Beautiful skull people are painting it. I want a KO army. <laughs> <laughs> the, the overlords and my night haunt army just got way more interesting and i'm not even talking about the rules i'm like oh you know this is i mean this fleshed out so many things this is just so well written i guess because it really did yeah. it wasn't just that things were happening it wasn't like oh let's bring these guys in and let them do stuff it was their motivations felt earned and real mm-hmm. uh, especially and- with the overlords you know? Yeah, and, and just not to mention that we thought that the story's been changing and evolving going forward, and it has. Oh boy, <laughs> what? Oh boy, it, this, it, like this is. Yeah, what's going to Go happen ahead. next? Like, uh, okay, and and without spoiling it, Bellacor is basically. Um, this is picking up from Teclas. Everybody's trying to wreck the realm gates. And if you wreck well, all the realm gates, and and Bellacor is like, oh, go ahead, wreck them, you know. And this actually reminds me of the two gates or the gates that were in the world that was because they were broken, and mm-hmm. chaos magic was just pouring through it, right? You know, and causing it, havoc. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we break all of these, the same thing will happen in the realms. Oh crap, really? Yeah, it's interesting because like you know, like there's a snippet with the Stormcast book, I think, where Order wants to hold it because it's easier to, tra- to trans transfer between two realm gates and it's almost like they're linking and pulling things back together but breaking them obviously won't allow it to happen but like we see it time and time again in the stories if like there's a chaos corrupted gate usually it's not oh we have time to fix this let's reverse it it's usually like destroy it destroy it now there's a great unclean one coming through please destroy this gate um right yeah close the door but that's not necessarily the best thing they should be doing at this point not not that there's still infinite realm gates as far as we know but it, but you're not just closing a door. It's not like oh, collapse. It, it's not like it's a, it's a tunnel where you collapse the tunnel so they don't get through. That's not all that these things are, and you're right. finally getting that in this book. This is so. Okay, let's get into it. Yeah. Okay, yep, so let's go. we start off Realm Gates under threat, and it gives you you know it gives you the quick history. You know, uh, you've got the the Realm Gate wars happening. 
Um, Archaon has the Gaunt Summoners, and this goes back to Marathi, where you find out he is trying to basically melt the 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 sigils and the wards and twist the realm gate to Azir to break it open. Right. Um. It says the Gaunt Summoners theorized it could unmake frameworks that contained each realm gate portal, in particular the Meteoric Gate. Um. Uh, then you get the it says how Nagash is going after the realm gates and it talks about what we talked about last episode mm-hmm. and then the slan show up and you know the slan gets some really cool time in here too there's some really oh. great stuff that happens with them this uh, this this first first act is all about them yeah really and it was cool to see the seraphon doing things seraphon are one of those armies and even back when you would because they're they're kind of enigmatic you know, they mm-hmm. don't communicate like the rest of us communicate. Um, a lot of times they just... And I know they're more than just lizard men. I know they're just mm-hmm. more than cool dinosaur people. Um, this really kind of gives you some of that feel. And gives you a couple other weird... Like, it brought up some questions for me going on here. Mm-hmm. But so, the uh, Slan see this this stuff going on there. And Lord Croak especially. Uh, he judged the most pressing threat came from the Gaunt Summoners. The demonic sorcerer's lair, the fabled silver towers, were mystically attuned to the Realm Gate network. Now, I mean, Which, I, where did that come from? <laughs> well, and I remember it said in Silver Tower. Like, remember when the Silver oh, okay. Tower game came out? If you read that little book that came with it, that's how you would get stuck in there. Sometimes you'd go through into a, either a very magical area, or if you would go through a Realm Gate, sometimes people would just disappear through a Realm Gate and wind up in the Silver Towers. I, I didn't know that. That is uh, that makes a lot more sense now because I read that without actually reading the Silver Tower snippet. So okay, that makes a lot more sense. Well, and like I said, if you uh, you know I, how long ago did we get that game? And it was yeah. just a quick mention. Like I never thought about it, and then it's like, oh wait, that's right. They mentioned mm-hmm. this a couple years ago. So he's going after Eater of Tomes. Oh, and I love how he makes fun of how the human, or how you know all the all the stupid. Mortals call it realm gates. He, <laughs> it's actually part of the astro matrix. Yes, and I love the astro matrix because I'm just picturing them coming through that. <laughs> Everything's connected. They're flipping through, coming out. Um, so they have to strike without warning. And he, the clever part is, they're like, "Oh, wait a minute! All those stormcaster with Marathi, and they're a huge distraction while they're fighting." And, and they literally, if we just run real fast through the gate while they're fighting over there and just run in the other direction, we can get or to where it. we're going and maybe nobody will see us. And it is the funny, this, oh, I'm yeah. laughing when I read this because this is one of those things where you're watching a television show and all this is going on. And you're like, wait a minute, how did you get there? And then they flash back and you see the episode <laughs> and then they're like, they zoom in and in the background you see like the guy just kind of run in the in the very back corner of the screen where he's like, oh really? I never noticed him because he wasn't there originally. But now we run. <laughs> oh, you never saw that. Oh, it's hey pretty- as a as as a devotee of Kane uh, to this plan. Uh, you're welcome, guys. We, we <laughs> all all Marathi. There you go. <laughs> so Bellacor has his plan for the realm gates, and we start to find out what's going on. So we get into Act One. Act One: The Tower Falls, which you know what? Oh boy! Um, th- you know, uh, don't don't tell me that that's like the Return of the King. Don't tell me that in the title. <laughs> like, okay, well now yeah. you've ruined the suspense. So 
<laughs> it's like we know what's going to happen. Just tell us how now. Yeah. So. Thanks to the interference of the God King and his allies, several of the Arkways had been sealed, cutting off the most direct route for Archeon's armies to pass to the wider realms. So we're talking about, the, the once again, back to the Realm Gate Wars. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, going through the realm, of course, going through the realm of life is the way that's best for the Seraphon. It just feels like that's the the best, you know. And I know that oh, that happened mm-hmm. to be closest. It happened to be the one they were in the other story. It just feels like that's the one they got. Alarial's go. got Alarial's got prime territory where she's at with that gate. Yep. She should just be selling tickets, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's right here, yeah. The cold-blooded Seraphon foresaw that the desperate retreat of the Stormcast remaining forces would provide a distraction that would allow them to reach the quarry uh, before the host of chaos descended upon them in great numbers. Um, and then you get the eight points burn, which is basically repeating everything that has happened in the last, like, three books. Right. It's yep. got uh, Wrath, of the Ever- Wrath of the Ever Chosen is when... Um, um, what's it, Mortark? No, that's when Catacros invades and takes yes. his, takes his land. Yes. Okay, so this is basically Wrath of the Ever Chosen, uh, Marathi, and Teclas, all just sort of repeated. Uh, this is kind of what's happening, and it's all really happening kind of together. Um, mm-hmm. and then they talk about how when they were doing that that retreat, the going through the Genesis Gate, except they had to have guys on both sides. Right, because, you gotta hold the gate because Nurgle's also in the realm of life still. Right, and if they start pouring through the other end and 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 surround the gate, if they come in from that, then you're not going to get to it. Then you're really out of luck. Yeah. So it's two chambers of Hall- hallowed knights, uh, commanded by Garda Steel Soul. Of course, it is. Um, mm-hmm. Steel Soul and his warriors started to chant as one, reciting canticles of purity that had girded their spirits through many a fight against the hordes of the Plague God. Their plate glowed like silver sunlight, and where the foul sludge had crept up greaves, it was slu- sloughed clean, leaving no trace of its presence. I love that image. They just start praying, and all the mm-hmm. in- all the infection and gunk from Gurgle- Nurgle just sort of burns away and go and just disappears off their plate. Kind of like uh, it, it reminded me. I just, I've just I've just been watching. I find I finally watched Attack on Titan. My daughter's like, Dad, you got to watch this with me. <laughs> and every time they do that, everything just burns away. And it's like I'm like, oh okay, yeah. So they go through. Yeah, and they're, yeah. I mean, this. Go ahead. Only the faithful. Let's do it. Yeah. Yep. Only the faithful. Like I said, it's they're the most purest form of the of the faith in Sigmar, and it's it it shows through images like that. Mm-hmm. And then you've got uh, Steel Soul and Loris Grimm, which uh, I love the names on these guys. Well, Grimm was a major part of the the Realm Gate Wars. He was the one that helped get Alariel to be planted in the field of, of fallen heroes, so she could right. be reborn. Yeah, no, he was. Yeah, because yeah, he and, did and, a lot, and he saved Gardas. He saved Gardas from Eternal Doom, uh, but, but also then Gardas had to go to the Plague Garden, so that was fun. But uh, yeah, these are two major characters. Like these guys are true legit heroes from. The opening of everything. And Gardas, I mean, here's a guy who's got to be a bane in Nurgle's sight. How many great unclean ones has he personally killed? I mean, he's killed a few oh. of them, and then a few, and he's been smashed by them several times. But here's a guy mm-hmm. who trudged through Nurgle's garden and came out the other side, and then and then got got caught in oh, there yeah. again. I mean, this guy is always in trouble with Nurgle. He's constantly <laughs> fighting him. Um, and yeah. that I, and I, I love it. Um, 
because there's that idea of purity, and I, and I know we talk about they've got more of a purity of soul, a zealotry for Sigmar, a belief in him. But when you're just going on a very little literal level of their purity and and Nurgle's corruption, it's just such a great juxtaposition. Uh, that's why I loved when they talk about all the just Nurgle's gunk just burning off of them when they're mm. praying. That's uh, so good. Uh, now, now they're out there protecting the gate on the realm of life side, and Nurgle's coming out of right. everywhere. Yeah, they swore an oath to hold the gate for their for the return uh, on on their side of the Genesis Gate, and uh, I, I mean everything we've seen of Grimm and Gars before, they don't fail. So uh, things yep. start getting di- pretty dire through these fights, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's it's like the bigger isn't. Gar's going, I will hold this gate. That's his only concern. Yeah. And then, so now they're outnumbered two to one, three to one. They're fighting. They're back to back. They don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, you hear this noise and this rustle in the underbrush. And out come these, the the Seraphon. And they got their mm-hmm. golden golden headdresses and, and armor plates and the big stone clubs. They're and fresh. They, yeah, they come further. Boom, they're clocking Nurgle. They're beating plague bearers left and right running towards the the storm cast and you're watching this and and nurgle's guys are just flying out of their way like like the beginning <laughs> of lord of the rings when uh when um when what's his name when sauron is just waving the mace and just knocking people left and right yeah. and you're like yeah here they come and you can just feel as you're reading this gardas and grim are, hope, yes! hope returns and they go running up mm-hmm. to them and right past them and into the realm gate and i you i just i'm picturing <laughs> like a ren and stimpy jaw drop uh, yeah like, like what it, it, it was this was like I, I laughed i laughed out loud i was just like <laughs> oh my god that's that's whole, I, just the, the reaction that these two guys had, like, what is wait? And they're screaming and they're mad at them. Like, what do you, what mm-hmm. is, oh, this was wonderful because the Seraphon are just, this is another thing where it's, it's like, they kind of remind me of the Eldar in 40K. And I know they're elves and not lizard men, but just that right. they are doing things on a different level than the rest of us. Like, they just see things that we don't see. Their plans. They intersect yeah. ours in places, but they're never, they're never like, with think, us. Think Zinch in a way, but not like craziness for craziness' sake. Think about like they're enacting small, like oh, I need to stub my toe today because twelve thousand years later will make me step on. You know, like they they go deep. I, I mean, they did this in the, in the old world too, and then and, and during the end times, it was crazy when you realized that that whole continent was a geometric spell they could cast. Holy oh. cow! Um, Oh yeah, and you're reading like, the books, I, and they're, they're concentrating sh- on the great math. Yeah, yeah, like, and, but like they're they're showing that here now too. And what's interesting is it, it doesn't look like that people see Seraphon or yeah, lizard Seraphon lizardmen too often because you know Gardas is, is even like like I've heard of them, I know they're weird. What are they doing? Like, but there are allies. Like they've seen them a few times. As yep. long and historic as this battle's been going on, the Seraphon are doing their own thing. Yes, they are, and it's it, it's like, oh. Well, I, I wonder too because if you if you go back, I, I'm always going back to the world that was just for more depth. But like the, when the Great Vortex was created by uh, you know Caldor Dragon Tamer, um, it almost still failed, except for I think I think it was Croak was just sitting down like continents away, sensing what was going on. And he's like, oh, that's a good idea. Snapped his fingers and helped it helped it happen. Like the Seraphon, I think like how many things could we go back to and like the whole story of Age of Sigmar. 
that worked because the Seraphon were like, yeah, yeah, we're helping you. You just don't realize it. Right. Well, didn't they teach the elves magic? I mean, they were the first beings in the world that was. I yeah, mean, they, 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 they taught helped. the elves magic. Yep. Not only that, I mean, they helped create it. When the old ones were putting the, the continent together, they were putting the old world together. Mm-hmm. Like the Seraphon actually helped build the world that was. So, See, I mean, that's just crazy amounts of power. Now, does that mean, were, were those, uh, was that world a, a bunch of separate realms before it turned into a world? Are we going that full cyclical elven Oh, that would here? be really cool uh, if they just yeah. took all those bits years, and... 30 years from now, if we get a one world again, the realms reform and we get new an elf, elf pantheon, I'm going to say I called it. So there we go. <laughs> there you go. Just like <laughs> when Christopher was on the show constantly saying, no, 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 they're not high elves and dark elves. They're elves. They're just all one. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. So you know what? Um... I want to keep I want to keep taking breaks at 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 quick intervals here just to make sure that we uh, just to make sure that we're getting them when we should. So uh, let's just let's take a fast break. Plus, I've got all these stupid little readings that I want to cover in here. So let's let's get that in here and quickly um, because there's a good one here. And then we'll come back and we'll start covering what the Seraphon are doing once they break through the gate. We'll be right back. With a single blow, I might end you, spirit, hissed the first prince. The blade of shadows pulsed, bleeding pure darkness from the runes graven on its surface. Would that be a mercy, I wonder? Almost imperceptibly, something beneath the Mortark's veil writhed and quivered. Then the fabric settled upon the ridge of her eyeless sockets once more. With a raised hand, she ordered her handmaidens to halt. Their outraged screeching was immediately silenced. Death is inevitable, the lady whispered, her voice like the scraping of glass on stone. And my curse upon you will not end with my doom. Do as you will, abomination, and pray you can strike you a blow before I turn you to ash and grave soil. She drifted toward her foe, frost blanketing the ground before her approach. Bellicor smiled, his fangs ice white in the gloom of the chamber. You mistake me, Queen of Sorrow. I did not come here seeking your destruction. I merely required you to hear my words. A change is coming to the realms. The world of mortals is crumbling. A black clot spreads in the heart of Hish, thanks to your own master's work. By my order, the last survivor of Arathi's insurrection has been freed, and even now brings word of her betrayal to the court of the whelp Sigmar. It is but the dying ember of a foolish hope that keeps the dream of civilization alive. With your aid, I shall snuff out that pitiful light." Lady Olinder circled the demon. The mention of hope filled her with revulsion. It was the antithesis to grief, an emotion she despised with all her cursed being. You wish for an alliance, she said. If the Mortark had been capable of humor, she would have found the thought amusingly preposterous. But our feud is not done, creature. I remember the touch of your sword. 
and you, in turn, surely feel the curse I have laid upon you. You and I are immortal, said Bellicor. What meaning does time have for creatures such as we? Our quarrel can surely wait until the doom of mortals has been decided. And I have one more thing to offer in return. Join your cause to mine, and Sigmar's champions will no longer escape your master's clutches. They will soon lose what renders them eternal. For even now, my armies strike at the gates between the realms. When my work is done, their connection to Azir will be severed. Their spirits, yours to do with as you wish. Silence stretched across the sanctum of anguish for many moments. Then the Mortark began to trace a symbol in the air with her fingers. She wove into being a spectral hourglass which loomed over the head of the Dark Master. You have until the sands run dry to do as you say, Olinder said, and even as she spoke the first specks of ethereal sand trickled from the upper chamber of the hourglass. Until this hour, the Legion of Grief will fight at your side to shatter the spirits of all mortals. Then you and I shall have our reckoning, Shadow Thing. Bellicor's eyes did not even glance at the apparition above him, which now faded into nothingness. Instead, he gave a solemn bow and drew his blade away from Melinda's remains. Wrapping his wings about him, he summoned a whirling vortex of umbral magic which yawned open in the still air of the Sanctum of Anguish. Until we meet again, Spirit Queen, he said. Then he stepped into the darkness and was gone. And we're back. Yes, we are. And we are here talking about uh, the Seraphon and the nonsense that they are pulling as they come <laughs> through. Um, I like that being in the all points, because it is so corrupted by chaos, it's painful to them to be there. Mm -hmm. Like, chaos is anathema to them. And as they're running through and... Uh, like it's it's just just like all the evil stuff there is sort of c coming towards them being called. It's like the, it just the realm itself knows that like this is something that is uh, uh, order on a cosmic level. It's not just like when mm -hmm. stormcast come running in and it's like oh wait there's some stormcast there. Like the realm itself knows that the seraphon are in there. You, you know when you eat that one chili that's a little too hot for you and you just feel it just moving <laughs> through. <laughs> Yes, they are the hot chili in the in the in the <laughs> realm of chaos. Uh, as beings highly attuned to the natural order of the cosmos, each second in this twisted and chaos-saturated place was agony to the Seraphon. And just as the celestial host suffered with every step, the cursed land recoiled at the presence of the Seraphon, whose collective auras burned like a newborn star. I lo this I love this. I'm so excited mm -hmm. for this. I really, I kind of, okay. I know when we did the year-end episode, it was like one of my most disappointing things. And Rotors was that Seraphon book with no endless spells and no really mm -hmm. new models except one piece of terrain. 
and now we got mm-hmm. that new Lord Croak, and I'm still crossing my fingers for new models because now that we've got new zombies coming, like this is there they are literally the oldest thing in Age of Sigmar now. I think the oldest models. Uh, maybe the Saurus, maybe and the, the old, maybe the, and the, maybe the Dark Elf Spearman, maybe, but that might be that's close to the same time. No, I thought I, they, but I thought they replaced that because now the Dark Elves they have the you can have a sword, a spear, or the crossbow. They put that in that new kit with the one package. Oh, okay. See, I think, right, so yeah, I think that's even. Okay. I think that, yeah, I think the lizard men stuff is the oldest stuff out there, and I just would so love to see it because that's a fun army. You can do so much with it. I mean, we see it with uh, 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 the Underworlds Warband. Like you oh, yeah. can just do so much, and and croak obviously. Jeez, that thing's great. Oh, it is. It's fantastic. All right, so let's see. Um, oh, and here's something that I did not. I wrote. I didn't. This is something I didn't expect, and I really liked. Um, even the death of a single skink was a significant loss for Starmaster Kotek knew he would not be able to replenish such casualties before reaching his objective. Worse, the slan could feel his own flesh withering and blistering as being so intimately connected to the purifying energies of Azir. Every moment that the Starmaster lingered in this nightmarish land was one of profound torment. So he's so like so made of that Azir starlight star power whatever it is that mm-hmm. he's literally his his skin is blistering and peeling right. and cracking just being in that tainted chaos saturated realm i just oh, I'm, I'm like, oh this is this is cool like this is mm-hmm. i'm this is grabbing my attention yeah it almost feels like like as as the seraphon are being eaten away by the uh, chaos corruption i bet the chaos area around is being corrupted by their presence too almost like the magic trying to seek a balance yeah yeah exactly or like, like when like, Alarial walks through and just starts purifying stuff and pushing the nurgle mm-hmm. back out like they are they are the exact opposite of each other yeah um i do like that the summoner what's his name the eater of tomes like he's off fighting and all of a sudden something's <laughs> wrong with his and he's like Zinch is cursing me. It's like every time I get something right, <laughs> something else just throws at me, and I'm so irritated. Yep. <laughs> um, I also I also like that they give more explanation into a little more detail about the actual um, the, the the silver towers itself. It's an a, a, a conduit mm-hmm. to the rolling madness of the realm of chaos. Uh, let the enemy come, the Eater of Tomes thought with hateful eagerness. Already he had scattered one army of star-blinded fools. A second would prove no greater challenge. And so he's ready for these guys. They're coming. Um, I also like how as the, as the Seraphon are marching through, they're not getting attacked enough. And they're like, something's not right. We're not getting attacked enough. Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, um, uh, why are we getting too close, guys? <laughs> and then you got... Uh, Atrazan the Immolator, which is a fate skimmer. What's a fate skimmer? Is that a th- is that an actual unit, or is that just something they're talking about here that I don't know about? I don't know much I, Zinch. I, I'm so. not sure. I, yeah, I'm not not the biggest on Zinch. Uh, I assume it's probably just like some sort of like demon bound creature on disc. Ah, uh, okay. Um, and this is interesting. It was just as Atrazan's true master, not the eater of tomes, but another more powerful being entirely had foreseen. And I'm like, oh, wait, are we talking about Bellicor? Because we haven't gotten to Bellicor yet, really. And yeah, where's like, Bellicor? Is, it Bel- is yeah. it Broken Realms yeah. Croak? What? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so you know bodies start as they get close to the silver tower it is a conduit to the realm of chaos and it basically just sort of opens up a bit like the the tower itself doesn't literally like it's not like doors pour open but like the walls start to shimmer and just chaos beings start pouring out after them um, and then you get the aerial battle because you've got the screamers and all the stuff flying, and then the skinks start flying in on their little things. Ripperdactyls. Yep. yep. <laughs> Dinosaurs versus birds. I mean, and then <laughs> now we've got so many spells in the game, and I mean, you you know, and sometimes when you when you're playing it, you don't think about what it would actually look like. You know, like a lot of times, you're like, oh, now you can move 16 inches and fly, and this happens mm-hmm. a lot. You're like, okay, cool. And then in the book, they describe this, and I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I could see this. So yeah. there's the ripper, you know, the ripper dactyls, they're flying around. They're fight. There's harpies coming in. There's all sorts of gibbering, zinch, flying stuff all over the place. And then Starmaster it- Quotech, with a flick of its webbed fingers, the slan summoned trails of celestial energy that limed Scar veteran Kartok and his elite Saurus Knights in a silvery glow. Freed from the dictates of gravity, these riders kicked their mounts and soared into their skies, given the power of flight by the slan spell. Okay, they've got Saurus and, and big, just, there's giant flying dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, I, well, I like it because it, like at first like, you're thinking this little aerial battle, like like dog fights, and there's like the, you know, like just missiles and bullets, and like you know, like think of like a World War II, you know, aerial battle, like just chaff everywhere, nonstop, and then it's all like, but what if we just make the tanks fly? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what this is. Like, yeah, like, let's get a T Rex up there. He can solve that. All right. Yeah, and that's got to be the scariest thing because you're flying above the battle. Like, okay, the big those big guys with the clubs, those big burly things. Um, then they just now they're up there. It's like, oh no, oh no, here they come, mm-hmm. and they are fighting. And all of the Bastilodons come in with their with their solar engines, focusing mm-hmm. the laser. You know, the big and the lasers are firing at the big silver tower. And at the climactic moment, all present heard a scream of purest outrage, and the shadows of a thousand swooping forms fell across the battlefield. Eater of Tomes is back. For all his power, however, he was not a creature to risk disaster merely to save his ego. So this is great. He, they're like, ugh. Um, he's like, nope, this is it. They're, they're, they are doing way too much damage to the Silver Tower. And they knew they had to get there quick because this is mm-hmm. – this is their. This is the trump card that the Zinch right, guys cause, have. Because Eater Tomes was off dealing with the Baronite that Marathi is currently stealing at this moment. Yeah, and he was fighting you know, that, them the, that, yeah. and fighting the Stormcast. He rushes back. He sees Seraphon surrounding the Silver Tower and beating the tar out of it. And they need to do this because they got to break it before he can just go in and be like, okay, we're leaving. Because he can make these things fly and teleport. See, I thought it could just teleport. When it starts flying here, when he's just like, nope, I'm just going to peace out. I'm going to fly straight up. First of all, my immediate thought was, hey, remember whenever the Seraphon did that during the end times? Yeah. <laughs> With all their ships? Like, yeah. oh, neat. Those are ships. Cool. <laughs> so the tower basically, you know, it, it disgorges itself from the ground where it is. All the pillars breaking. It busts up. I mean, because it sits there. It is a tower. It sits on the ground, and it doesn't just... I mean, it's not like it just all of a sudden blinks out of existence. He's not folding space, you know? 
So it pulls up, starts to fly, starts to move, and then once it's kind of up and out of the way, and I guess that's easier because it's not like he's just, it, it's almost like he's, 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 he's like sort of like, I, I'm just picturing like a magical sphere around it and making it pop out of existence, and it's easier if you get it off the ground and in the air so you're not taking a bunch, you're not making a big crater and having to carry all this extra crap with you, like the dirt and the stuff around it. Yeah, well, I also imagine, too, it's probably like he, he's dealing with his Varanite. Archeon's making him do that. His Silver Tower holds, like, his extra Varanite. He probably doesn't want to leave the realm, he, like, like this, this all, you know, all points. He's probably just like, I'm just going to go up, and I'm going to go really far away, and they'll be dead, and they'll never touch me again, and we'll be done. And I can well, continue about my business. That's probably what his plan is. Well, and as he's flying, he, but he does disappear right at the end here. Mm. I mean, yeah, because it says he flies up, and then the Eater of Tomes snapped his fingers and disappeared in an eruption of purplish flame. Boom, there he goes. Yep. Uh, and then in a burst of, of flames, he appeared in the teleportation circle of his silver tower. Oh, maybe he disappeared in the in a... In he, a yeah, oh, he, it, wasn't yeah. the, it wasn't the temple. It was him. I'm sorry. You're right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he, he goes to the engine room because <laughs> right. he's he's got to do everything. He can't trust those like grotlings running around. Yes. So he cracks free from the rocks of the Vale of Screams and sending a deadly hail of shrapnel. So as he's breaking free, all of this stuff is, I mean, there's winds whipping. It, uh, I mean, there's there's big pieces of architecture and landscape excuse me, that are cracking and crumbling and killing things around there, crushing stuff around it. Not that he cares, but it's just destroying stuff left and right. Then, yeah, then he races towards the sky, trailing sorcerous fire. Um, and he, he, here's the thing, like, you got to think somewhere off in the distance, there's, you know, like a, a, a chaos fortress and they're just looking at this like what the heck is going on over there oh yeah yeah <laughs> like is this good or bad guys and everyone's just like i don't know this is this is chaos <laughs> yeah <laughs> just so start it, praying or something it pulls itself out of the ground starts speeding across the seraphon are r roaring and screaming and the slan's like no nope, no nah, this i th i knew he was gonna do this i had to get here and do enough damage before he did this he doesn't even realize how screwed he is like he's just sitting there oh you silly sorcerer you think you know what you're doing yep oh man and so he it's plunges a into the eth the etheric void oh so he does disappear he thought to flee the wrath by plunging uh here he thought amidst the inky blackness okay. he might evade his foes for a time at least, little did he know he would find no sanctuary in the vast and featureless expanse between the realms. As it punctured the sky above the eight points like an immense spear and passed out into the lightless reaches. Oh, maybe he, maybe he didn't disappear. Maybe he literally went out into yeah. the void. Like, he just went out he into just, space. He just rocketed out. Yeah. He did. He took off like a rocket. Okay. But it's a trap. They're <laughs> suspended in the void were a dozen gleaming ziggurat ships. So, yeah, okay, so he did. He yeah. took off into space. Mm-hmm. And he gets there, and there's a bunch of ziggurats still floating around <laughs> so, from the world it was. Yeah, so when are we going to get space stations? <laughs> Caradron Overlord Space Stations. Seriously. We need space space Aether Gold. <laughs> no kidding. That would be great. So they're out there. They're doing that, and you got the Seraphon stuff out there. You know, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe a big ship goes by. You see, a, you know, maybe a, a nice guy is blue with a helmet, you know. Emperor, <laughs> but uh, 
Then the energies emitted by the Ziggurat ships coalesced into a single beam of blinding white light that lanced the Zinchian fortress. Oh, and yeah. then, love to see it. Oh yeah. And then, sorry, chaos fans. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Armada comes out. Then one of the one of the Ziggurats opens up. And a dozen golden barges decorated with leering reptilian faces and glyphs in a tongue long ago forgotten start coming out. The fortress is far from powerless, even against such a host. And he tries, and now he's trying to get through. He He's, he's attacking the Seraphon fleet in space. Mm-hmm. Finds a gap mm-hmm. and tries to run through it. And nope. Oh, but. That gap was planned. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> hey, you can run out this way. Oh, look, there's. I mean, seriously, they had him. They had him like yeah. a rat in a maze. Oh yeah, and, and this is. And it's so it, we'll see later. But like, you're thinking like, how how's a gaunt summoner not see all this happening? Like, they can see into the future too. But like, oh, <sighs> there's a reason. <laughs> oh yeah. So then it crashes down, and it. I mean, it crashes so, by oh. some miracle. The enchantments of the silver tower still held. Um, but it there was there was cracks in it where just weird chaos magic were coming out of the cracks in the tower, just messing with things. Um, and Croak's just like, "All right, now let's go get it." <laughs> so yeah, good. and and like like I can't imagine like I, this tower's got to be huge. Like this crashing, it, like I, I picture uh, if you, uh, Dave, you, you obviously did the Horus Heresy with uh, the After Ulnar podcast, right? Um, betrayal of Kalth. Or battle, battle Calc, whenever that one like battle cruiser falls from oh, the yeah. sky and just obliterates everything. That's like kind of what I see. Now, granted, there's not cities everywhere, but like I just see like this huge tower of just potent Zinchian energy just carving into the land and just like, you know, like random beasts appear into existence and disappear and like things mutate. You know, just like just crazy destruction. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and it, and here's the thing it leaves a huge. Okay, so. You get to this next part. So the uh, the three weird flame fonts that powered the silver tower's weapon spires were exposed. The bulbous chambers that had contained them cracked open by suspiciously surgical blasts from the Seraphon temple ships. Mm-hmm. So they knew mm-hmm. exactly where to hit it. They crippled. So they took. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. We've got the lizard men who seem like, you know, they live in the jungle. They're primitives. Except mm. they're in spaceships, and they targeted their <laughs> weapon systems <laughs> and took out their weapon systems and hit their energy reserves. So that way, when it crashed, they were leaking out this radiation or energy or whatever it was, the magic that powers it. Mm-hmm. This was a surgical strike from their spaceships against yep. the Silver Tower. I was having so much fun reading this. I'm just like, what is going on? This is everything that I want from my Seraphon that you can never actually get on the gaming table. Right, right. Yeah, and, and the best part is, like, this is, like, all going exactly as Croak set up. It's going perfectly to plan, and it's not over yet, even though uh, uh, Tometer probably, probably crash lands, and he's like, all right, you know what? It's not that bad. And then he turns and looks over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. It's, Guess what's there? <laughs> and then, did you also notice that when they talked about? If, I'm already up on page 22 here. When they uh, mm. under the thunder lizard strikes, so they're coming yep, out through the realm gates. That's, that's what's over the shoulder. Oh no! And okay, <laughs> it says here, 
Um, they carried heavy golden stone howdahs upon their backs. Each of these enormous creatures bore a relic of a time that not even the slan could recall. Devices crafted by the hands of beings mightier than gods and powerful enough to obliterate. So the engines of the gods and these, uh, the engines, not the engines of the gods, but the, the, like, the laser. This is stuff yeah, made by the old one. Like this is tech they don't even understand. Th- this was stuff predating the Warhammer fantasy of the old world. Yeah. They, they still don't understand how it works. They just know that it works. And it was left for them to do whatever they're doing. Yeah. Oh, God. Seriously. Um, <laughs> then they go in there. Let's see. Um, they, yeah, it, it, It's led by this guy whose task for centuries had been to maintain the technology of the old ones. And who stood watch over a vast horde of cosmic artifacts. No idea what they do. Or mm-hmm. knows what they do, but doesn't know how. But he just, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So then he led his war machines on a charge. Um, Lord Croak's attendants had given Icto exacting instructions as to how they were to be attuned. Motes of golden light coalesced around each of these devices so bright that even uh, Telepotech growled and stamped in protest. The building energies focused into a single brilliant beam that lanced toward the crown of the Silver Tower, where the Eater of Tomes stood observing the battle. The projection effortlessly pierced the arcane wards hastily thrown up by the Gaunt Summoner. He screamed as his nine eyes burst under the heat of the barrage. His robes were incinerated, Mm. his flesh sloughed off his bones, and then his body exploded in a splatter of Ikor and Sorcerer's Discharge. You know that scene uh, where the Death Star destroys Yavin and that shield appears for a second on the Yavin? Yeah. Or Alderaan, not uh, Yavin, Alder- Alderaan, yeah. sorry. And and it, it tries for that second, but nope, and just gone. <laughs> and then like, they you get, did your best, kid, but... Yeah, and then they get Indiana Jones at the end. Like, like his eyes pop, <laughs> and it's like, oh, man! And, and here's what I'm wondering. Like, like, one, okay, this is a silver tower. Can it come back? Yeah, sure. I'm sure that's not going to be a quick thing. Oh no! About, but they're down. And, and, a, they're down a tower at this point. Yeah, there's and there's only nine towers. I assume because each of the Gaunt Summoners there's only nine Gaunt Summoners. Now Gaunt Summoner is a demon, so he will go back to Zinch's realm and probably after a while come back. But is he now free from Arcan's control when he comes back? Arcan still knows his name. Oh, that's true. It's the names. It's Thank their you. Names. I, 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 I was so, wondering yeah. that. Okay. But he doesn't have a tower unless Zinch, unless Zinch gives him a new tower. And you know he's going to have to eventually because there's got to be nine towers. That's the magic. That's his magic number. Right, right. Yes, yeah, so he's already – and Zinch is probably already rebuilding it. <laughs> well, and then it's sitting there and everything gets shot and he disappears and everybody's looking at it. Then there was a second of terrible silence as the world turned white. Then the silver tower detonated. Now this okay detonated. The mortal a, realms enter the nuclear age. Yeah, because this uh, calling this a detonation is we're really underplaying this here. The shockwave caused by the tower's demise struck with the force of a god's fist. It shattered the nearest mountains, launched their splintered peaks into the stratosphere. So mountains were, I mean, it wasn't just destroying all the stuff around the mountains and knocking, it, it mountains blew up, okay? Shattered the nearest mountains, launched their splintered peaks into the stratosphere. Lakes were turned to boiling mist in an instant. Continental plates were shunted like slipped tiles. And the free city of Tansis was swallowed by a tsunami of liquid metal. Its 50,000 inhabitants wiped out in a single horrific moment. Uh, Pompeii right there. Yeah. 
And then when everything starts to go away, it became apparent that the rusted wastes were no more. In their place was a crater a thousand miles or more across, glowing with the after effects of the magical cataclysm. Now, we, we should mention this Silver Tower crash landed in Shaman in the realm of metal. I think, yes. we, I think we missed that. So, oh, so yeah, I'm wondering, too, thing, like, yeah. like, is it just like a giant, is it like actually like a crater or is it like a giant dent? Like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> like, they, like a bullet shooting like a steel plate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, okay, so it's a thousand miles wide. That's yeah, the, big. The realms are big, but uh, a thousand miles is... And the realms are enormous because this is just, if you yeah. look at the map, this is a small little section. Okay, the, the wastes are a small section of the map, which is a tiny section of the realm. It's These places are huge. Right, but people are going to see a mountain fly in the air, and everyone across the realm is going to feel earthquakes with the continental plate shifts. Oh, right. Like, the oh. realm feels this. Yeah, this is felt across... Yeah, like exactly. There's... Especially especially if you're looking at it apparently. <laughs> and then the, the, uh, the destructive tide swept across the etheric void, causing realm gate after realm gate to explode and turning others into howling vortices of chaos magic, a side effect that had been accurately predicted by Lord Croak, but judged an acceptable loss in exchange for the destruction of so potent a target as the Zinchian Fortress. Now, the one last thing that I really wanted to mention in this little section is Croak's, uh, uh, like, uh, Star Warden Ikto, like, got, he got, d d he was there. Like, he was in the blast range. He's gone. Yeah, all those, all those lizard men, gone. Yep. Yeah. And then Croak delved into his deeper consciousness, and in a flickering burst of star stuff, the image of Ikto manifested. The aged skink dropped to his haunches before his master. This was no crude revenant, but something far stronger, an echo of the Star Warden that would continue to serve the ancient relic priest. So is it, is it him? Is it not him? Was there a physical form before, and now that he's dead, he's... he's He's thinking him up, and is the thought up one? Well, like, well, I know that now the Seraphon, like, they exist in the realms. They have spawning pools, so you can either be like the the star version or like the actual ground version. But I think there's nothing stopping from like you know, like this, like the like um, he was a physical, real creature with the the thunder lizards. He doesn't mean they can't recreate him up above. I like, I, I kind of like that, like a way to continue the on even the ones that are being like truly birthed now in the spawning pools. Right. So he brings him back, but so it says he served for a thousand years. So was he just the, uh, or however many years. So he was a real, I, and I put the word real as opposed to dreamed up from star energy. Mm -hmm. So he was a real, uh, Seraphon who then died and then croak bought, brought back as a star energy being, but I, I guess what I would love, and this is one of the reasons I would like to get a, a, a Seraphon book that explains what these differences are. You know what I'm saying? Like, is he star energy? If Croak stops thinking about him, does he dissipate? Has he taken a an actual physical manifestation? It says it's not just some revenant. He's not mm -hmm. just... So what is it? And how do they survive? Like, I'm just very curious about this because it's a really cool concept. Yeah, like I'm thinking back, there was a, a short story. I think this was Soul Wars when they were doing the short stories back for there for uh, for my importance. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. um, and 
there was a, a star star seer that was reimagined by just a, a random slon. I don't think it was croak. Um, it almost feels like it's like a server. Like it, like the, the slon gives them like a small, in, infinitely small piece of their mind to exist within until and for them to be quote unquote real. Because the the, the star priest was reformed and he said, "Oh, how nice he uh, he reformed me. Oh, he forgot that my c- favorite color is actually red, not blue." I remember but that he, story. He gave me a blue feather, like something like weird like that. So it's almost like. So the are slon, they real again? The slon, and like the slon give them a piece, but it's like it's weird. The slon don't fully think have to think about it. It's like such a subconscious thing that it becomes its own. See, but that yeah. sounds like what the demons are, because they're I mean, they kind of work. They're all a bit of the four chaos gods' essence. Every demon, right. every greater. So is this what? It's it's just there are interesting parallels, and I would love to know more about that. But here, let's 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 finish up Act One here, and then take a break again. Um, and then, so this is where we switch to the overlords, and I love this part. This like, it, and it's only about a page because it, it it's a half, it's two pages, but it's about a half page each because there's picture. the big picture. Yeah. I like it because it is described in this really straightforward, business-focused way. Like there, the practicality. There's the writing style changed from mm-hmm. what we were reading yep. before to the overlords. Um, I do like uh, Endron Master Drongon Humbled Son, and you've got, and I also like that they're bringing some females into it, and that they obviously have different names because Gotrek Gurney's son, Gotrek is son of Gurney. Yeah, uh, and then drunk there's the, on humbled son is the son of humbled, um, and then like yeah, Dotor, like uh, very like Icelandic. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I like that a lot. Um, but he was uh, he had his ship, the Redoubtable, and um, the, then that the, that the, because the, they're in Shimon as well, and the Silver Tower blows up way in the distance, but it's a thousand mile crater so it's got to be mm-hmm. a thousand mile explosion i mean that's that's cuckoo for cocoa puffs the size it's like <laughs> half the size of our country an explosion yeah. you know um you're gonna see that from everywhere and mm. they see it weather-beaten arcanauts muttered to one another darkly for all presence had lived through the garaktermon the great gale yeah. of death so the necroquake to them is the garaktermon Right, yeah, I, I love it. Like we always like the dwarves always have their own words for it, and I'm glad they're doing that still. Zonin and Hootsengis. So then they're in the skyports. I also love the descriptions. Um, here's a guy who's he, this is like a prototype ship, and they go through all the descriptions of how fast the engines are and the mm-hmm. extra, you know, uh, from the shipyards. Just listen to this. This sounds when my brother-in-law and my father-in-law are talking about their cars that they're rebuilding. Mm-hmm. This is what it sounds like to me. Like equipped with the latest in ethermanic surge injection technology, and with bracing plates and stabilizing fins, the length of its hull, the frigate was able to maintain a high speed of over ninety wind knots for as long as its ether gold reserves lasted. I'm just like, oh wow, okay. This is, <laughs> they got there. This is it's, the fastest. This is the Tesla. It is. This is the Tesla. <laughs> And then they've got Arcanaut Grumphy, which I knew something was up when Humbled Son couldn't, was like, I, he couldn't remember when the old Whitebeard had signed up for a voyage. And, and then he says something, yeah. and he looks at and him, it, and, and he's like, oh, you're right. 
Yeah, and it's it's like I, I like how they they say like oh he's like a hardline barrack thrang grudge caller, uh-huh. which that's like the ancestors. So you're like oh like they're the weird ones. Yeah, they 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 stick too much to the old ways, and then you're like why is he here? I'm like oh okay okay we'll see. Well, and you know something's up because like he walks over and he's like ah, oh. and he's like oh we should go tell someone. Yeah, I might want to take a look into it. Oh uh, yeah, we should. Like he he seems to have way too much. It's a subtle influence over the captain or the admiral in this ship. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's 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 like it is instinctual for dwarves to kind of just like respect their elders, even though like this is a new type of dwarf. So it's like they, they can tell like. All right, you're my elder, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen. It, it, but it all—it felt like there was maybe. I mean, there was some Jedi mind tricks going on here. A uh, little, little bit, little it bit. It felt yeah. like that to me, really. But and plus, with the name like that, I'm like, oh, really? His name is Gromthy? Oh, like, He's, like, I'm you, like, is you this? Think- you really you're not trying any harder on this okay i mean that's fine i mean if you know if if you came from the world that was you wouldn't have to change your name that much because ain't nobody around here who's going to remember you except very old people mm, uh, in fact what is it bellacor seems to be the only one who recognized him yeah and yeah. bellacor didn't want to mess with him which really i that really hey. shocked me We'll, we'll get there. We'll get yeah, there. That's yeah, yeah. a great scene. Let's not spoil that. No, 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 no. Not at all. Uh, okay, so break, uh, and then we're going to come back with Act 2, Death Pact. That always sounds great. Death Pact. We're coming back. <laughs> There's always something happening at Crocodiles. That's right, friends. Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois, and at grognardgames.com. They are now open daily from 12 to 7 for your gaming pleasure. Now, if you want, you can go into the store, find what you need. Not comfortable going into the store, even with a mask on? Call them up for curbside pickup. Or order online at grognardgames.com. They've got what you need. They've got Warhammer. They've got Dungeons & Dragons. They've got Marvel Crisis Protocol. They've got Battletech. They've got a huge pre-owned section, and you can find it on grognardgames.com or in the store. Now, you can't play in the store right now. Still got to have social distancing protocols, and if I got to stay more than six feet away from you, probably can't play a game of Magic. Probably going to be pretty difficult to play a game of Warhammer either, but you can still get all your hobby needs met at Grognards. Because as the world starts to reopen and your hobbying starts to take off again, you know you're going to need stuff. And you can find it at Grognards. And why? You know why. Because there's always something happening at Grognards. that guy in the garage hammer shirt who cares about him look at that guy with the garage hammer hoodie that's right guys nothing tells the ladies i'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear so hurry to garagehammer.net slash store and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about remember boys first you get your gear then you win all your games then you get the chicks That's right, boys. The only gamers we notice 
are in Garage Gear. And we're back. We are back again. Uh, talking Death Pact. Not Death Path. That's a game. This is Death Pact, which is a pact with someone from the realm of death. Um, no spoilers, but you already know that the Night Haunter in here, so whatever. Um, but, but but you do know that, uh, okay, it's not going to be Nagash. No, it's not going to be Archon. <laughs> yeah. They're, kind of, they're, 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 they're held up. Um, now, Bellacor. Uh, and it's interesting because Bellacor uh, has fought against Lady Alinder, and actually his sword of shadows uh, sent her back. How you know it? It 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 discorporated her and sent her back home. So mm-hmm. she hates him, and he they, got, they, they yeah. got some beef. Yeah, and so um, and it, it they talk about how her her realm, her area, uh, the capital of. Dolorum had never it's it's her place and it had never been under siege it had never really been attacked um, it's it's like th- beings like just collapse and die from the lack of like hope the lack yeah. of like sort of, yeah it's just like you die depression from depression and, and a broken heart and if you don't then this yeah. all the banshee screaming just that'll kill you yeah yeah so like there's never been siege and then we got a couple pages here that talk about the R- Bellicor and his history. And we've already talked about that a little bit. Um, but this is where you get the real interesting, I mean, how much he hates Archeon and he lets Archeon do stuff. He only steps in when he has to. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's, <sighs> but he's, he's not going to take a loss. If he can help it, he's going to only go in if he's going to salvage something out of it mm-hmm. or take a win. Like he's smart. But he's also like he seems to be like a, a really for for well I mean he's independent, but he his manipulation skills seem to be up there with like Neferata and Marathi like he's constantly in the background, bending things. Of course he has his own army which is not only doing what he says but has sworn allegiance to him, taken his mark, mm-hmm. and he's got them from all four of the Chaos Gods, and they don't fight against each other when he's there and telling them what to do. That's how right. much sway and power and influence Bellicor has. He had, literally, there's a part here where you have corn servants and, you know, I mean, you have corn blood, you know, blood uh, bloodthirsters, or not bloodthirsters, the, the bloodletters. Bloodletters. Yeah. And demonettes right next to each other, fighting together against stuff. Not, not that they're happy. No. But they're focused on something else. Exactly. What what I like too is like if you think about like he's marking all these demons. So the blood letters, you know, like the 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 demonettes, mm-hmm. you know, all, like the blue fires, whatever. He's marking demons. That's his army. But if you look at Archeon, the only thing Archeon quote unquote marks is his Varengard. Yeah. He cares about the human champions. He cares about like that's why he's not a demon prince yet. He doesn't want to be a demon prince. Obviously, he's right. like, I don't need that game. I'm powerful enough. So it's it's like the it's it's the opposite of the same side of the coin. You know, like heads and tails. That's what these two are, and like their armies represent it. It's if and these that's two a very interesting along, take on it too. Yeah. Let's hope these two never get along. <laughs> so let's see. Um, 
Nagash's efforts in Hish to collapse realm gates into life-draining vortices had proven that they could be destroyed, as had Archeon's attempts to corrupt them using Veronite. Um, and this is where I, the chain reaction of all these realm gates breaking and breaking down, this many of them, because they are a part of this pattern. There's like a webway, uh, almost, and when you get the, the slant involved, it almost seems like a geomantic... Like, mm-hmm. you know, like like the ley lines and all the power and these gates are on those lines. So right. if you start smashing those, bad things are going to happen for everybody but chaos. Uh, a chain reaction of the realm gates would unleash chaos. And this reminds you of the broken chaos gates in the world that was. It's almost like what he's trying to do. Break these things right. open and let chaos just come spilling through. Um, and and here's and here's the part that I'm like, oh, OK, now it's on. This is getting real. They're in they're in Shimon. That's where a lot of these are because that's where the silver tower is gonna is crashing. This is where it's breaking these realm gates. Um, if you break enough of these realm gates, if you sever the ties that link the realms together, this is going to sever the connection between Azir and the other realms because a lot of the gates are closed. Breaking the other realm gates, there's that. And what's going to happen is the Stormcast are going to turn to lightning and have no way to get home. Right, because Azir is the heaven. So technically Azir, while there's a physical place, is like I kind of see it as like a, like a spherical like bubble that's the void around the realms. It's the heavens. Everything that the heavens touch, that allows the Stormcast to go back. So if you separate that piece out from touching the heavens, essentially, which is what's going on, there's there's trouble with the stormcast, right? Uh, let's see, and it says that it's very risky. And little did the star beast know that Bellicor's army stood ready to exploit the trauma. So Bellicor was actually manipulating behind the scenes, pushing, making this silver tower a juicy target because mm-hmm. he can't take it down. Plus, it belongs to Zinch. It's like really, he can't take it down. Yeah, yeah. No, he, but if someone else he, he took would, it down, can't lose more favor. Yeah, if someone else <laughs> took it down, he could exploit the the havoc that ensues well, from he, it. Even that, Zinch would appreciate that he planned to take advantage of something by planning to have it. Like, even though it's a Zinch thing, like it's in a plan. So Zinch would like this, <laughs> right? And not only that, they also talk about how Archeon would never have done something like this. Because he would never give up realm gates, and he would not give up the resources. Yeah, he's a he's a warlord. Those right. those those are the that's that's where the blood pumps through the realms. Is, that's where he sends his armies because he doesn't have demons. Like he, I mean, he does, but like he he'd rather have the mortals. Yeah, and he would not he would not be willing to make these sacrifices. And Bellicor actually kind of calls him out to his subjects on it. You know, he's a failure. He can't get these things done. I'm willing to smash all of this to lock this out, mm-hmm. to separate out, to, to call a lie to the immortality of the storm. Like, this is a crazy and a good plan. Yeah, yeah. Um, then you get here, and Lady Alinda apparently has cursed Bellicor because he's seeing things all in gray and plain, and like it's just like all that stuff that you, <laughs> that you read about in the Night Haunt book is happening to him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this this slow burn curse of Oleander. Yeah, and he and and it's like he knows he has to deal with her too because he he recognizes that he's cursed because he's like, oh, your stupid magics. Like I've been doing this stuff for thousands and thousands and thousands of years 
Mm-hmm. I, you can't. You're not slipping a curse on me without me noticing it. But he also realizes. Listen, I need to. I need to deal with her because she could. If she does something I'm not expecting, this could. I, my my plans are very intricate, and there's a lot of moving pieces, and I can't deal with her right now. Yeah, and I love how he handles it. Like like knowing that like we're both immortal here. Like and like we're gonna get to that that scene, but. Yeah, it's like we we can fix our stuff later. We can we don't have to like each other, but like hey, let's let's take a small break because we got stuff to do. Well, and this is crazy. He assaults her realm, and yes. she is on the gates with her banshees, screaming at demons. Now the demons they're not afraid, right? They, right. they don't feel fear. However, they are powered through raw emotion. Mm-hmm. And with all the grief emotion, instead of the anger and the fear, it is messing with them and it's slowing them down. Yeah. Like I see like obviously like corn, the corn demons are probably just like blinking out of existence instantly. Like the slash ones might revel in the, the sorrow. Nurgle probably has some good sorrow feelings there and then Zinch might be able to think around it. But like, you know, like they're all going to have their faults and start falling to this like yes. lack of emotion. And she's doing this, but meanwhile, Bellacor sort of like slips around, does an end run around mm-hmm. and starts going into her inner sanctum. And of course, it's her realm. She knows what's happening. So as soon as she feels someone around there, she freaks out and starts running. Actually, before we get to that that part, I just want to call it one more thing with these demons popping out with like uh, the lack of emotion. This proves that Nagash's plan is correct. If Nagash won, chaos is no more. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and Wait. that's... Um, if you if you read in in the Horus Heresy, and I forget which book it is, but there's a character who's like a super psychic, and he meets this group. He had actually met the Emperor at one point, um, and he's super oh, powerfully yeah. psychic, and he meets the Cabal, mm-hmm. and he has this weird vision, and it's there's this whole thing that happens, and they sort of, and it's part of, and I think it has to do with um, the. Um, the um, we are Alpharius. Who are those guys? The Alpha, Alpha Legion. Alpha Legion. Yeah. Um, there's this one part in the story where they basically there's this whole vision of if Horus wins, mm-hmm. and if Horus wins and kills his father, he becomes so grief stricken by it that he blames humanity for all their interference, which caused this rift between him and his father. And in 500 years, he exterminates all of humanity, mm-hmm. which then brings an end to chaos. Because right. without all the human emotion to power them, the gods lose all their powers and dissipate. And basically, then the the Eldar and them are like, this would be a perfect universe. We could live very peacefully and happily if we mm-hmm. just wiped out all humans. And they kind of want... They want, you know, Horus yeah, they want to win. this to happen. Um, and that's that's crazy. Uh, but it's right. Yeah, it says right here. Many of Bellacor's lesser servants faded into nothingness as emotions that gave them physical form were entirely suffocated by grief. Yeah, there you go. That's crazy. Um, then Lady Olinder comes in and he basically and, and he's not stupid. Um, at the heart of her fortress is her body. Mm-hmm. It's it's her burial ground, and much like an episode of Supernatural, he shows up, kicks the kicks the the lid off uh, off of her tomb, and pulls a sword out, and she's trying to stop him, and he's got the sword right up against her crown. He's like, "Okay, I could totally kill you right now, 
but I don't want to. But here's the interesting thing for me. Okay, so Olander has a, a weakness. Like I, I just thought these were just ghostly beings that like she was just fine. Like she, okay, she died. She'll come back. Like oh, there's they're adding like true consequences for everybody. Everybody has something at stake. Like she, she knows she can't lose this body because Which, yeah, she's gone then. And I, the, it's I don't think. I mean, we assume we assume she's gone. Well, I mean, yeah, because she's freaked out about it, and he even says, "Yeah, I could destroy you," which is weird. I mean, the vampires could be killed, and we saw what happened with with Archon the Black last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose you could kill um well, Catacros, you know. Well, Catacros and Olander. Uh, were born from these realms as opposed to the other the original OG Mortarks like Neferata, Manfred, and Archon, who were mm-hmm. created by by uh, Nagash's will. So, I wonder if there is a way to kill some of them, if not all of them. It's 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 it was not or, something I expected. Like, or or I wonder if she knows she'll lose her last vestiges of true free will from Nagash because she'll be created purely by him at this point if that body goes away. Yeah, that could be. I, I have no. I, I have no idea. This is the first time. I mean, I'm reading this, going, "Wait, what?" Yeah, like you can actually do that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they strike a deal, basically, and it's like, "Look, we don't even have to get along forever. Uh, we just need to get along right now." Like, yeah, let's. We let's, don't like Sigmar. Let's just put our things aside for however millennia takes. <laughs> yeah, I can give you a whole bunch of power. Over these souls. In fact, I can actually give you these souls that you couldn't get before. All I need you to do is call a truce for now. And then she pulls out the little, her, uh, her, uh, hourglass. Hourglass. And she's like, when the sands run out, you and I are going to throw down. Mm-hmm. So you have until now to get your plan done. And I'm like, okay, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And I like that, like Bellacor can look up and kind of see it, <laughs> like a ghostly version of it. Yeah. Anytime he he's, wants, <laughs> he's got he's got the app. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just constantly reminding him of how much time he has left. So then, okay, uh, and here it says the assault upon the realms enacted by the Legion of the First Prince was no grand offensive, but a series of strikes and betrayals of such complexity that to the majority of onlookers they would seem like random in nature. And I'm like, he's the Abaddon of AOS. This is the thirteenth. Black Crusade, all those other Crusades, half of those failed. Actually, no, they didn't. <laughs> they did. all set up. It seems like nonsense, but that's because it's supposed to seem like nonsense. Right, and with Bellacor's army being demons, it's it, it's infinite. He can he like he can even go in and attack something knowing he's going to lose there, but it's part of the plan and it's fine. Every yeah. loss is acceptable. And so basically. What he does is he sends Lady Olinda out to cause all sorts of trouble, and he, he's he's basically pulling sleight of hand. Mm-hmm. When when everybody is looking at Lady Olinda and the Night Haunt and all the trouble they're making, he's attacking the Realm Gates. He's smashing down the last bits of what need to be smashed when nobody's yep. looking. Eventually, they're going to notice, but hopefully, that she's enough of a distraction that by the time they notice, it's too late. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and basically, as it was, confusion and paranoia ruled. Such had been Bellacor's plan all along. <laughs> um, 
And then you get back to these uh you get back to the the overlords. Yes. Endron Master Humboldtson. Um and once again, they were certain this was another necroquake. They saw yeah, this they were, <laughs> Yeah, they're like Oh no, something's happening to a realm again that's making the realm go bad. Well, not only that, the realm's going crazy, and then they see this massive influx of night haunt spirits mm-hmm. come rolling through, and they're like, oh, not again. What did, what did Nagash <laughs> do now? He did it again. Um, but then they find, uh, what's her name? Where is she? Um, Admiral Emota Barrasdoter. Mm-hmm. So Barrasdoter comes back in. Uh, and she was the master cartographer. I think, isn't she the one? She was the one from the last. I know the lady from the last book showed up here, the one who helped stop yeah. Neferata. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's got all the cartography. According to her information, the strife was occurring across Shimon and not random. So I love that she's like the map person. Yeah, and she just like she's like, oh no, it's 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 here, here, here. We're yeah, like stop, stop overthinking this, everybody. She can see the patterns, and I love this. She's looking mm-hmm. at all the maps, going, wait, something here, here. She's she can figure all of this out. This is a great character. I would love to read a book. I would love to get a, an Overlord's book where there she's in there as one of the main characters because nothing is getting past her. Oh yeah, she's like it's like a savant. Like it's not even like taking her time to figure this out. I mean, I, I know you want a book. I'd like a book too. I want a model. Oh, she does. <laughs> yeah, let's get. Yeah, exactly. Let's get some of these female Caradron characters. Let's get some playable yeah. characters um, yeah. with them because these are really cool characters. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, then though, she she realizes something's up. She realizes there's a problem, and it's near a Fire Slayer stronghold uh, that they have deals with. They have deals with to go, to go through this realm gate near there, and they see the smoke coming up. They're like, there's a problem with the realm gate, and we need that realm gate because that's one of our uh, – that's a, that's a financial deal that we have that, that allows us to move through um, supplies, resources, and product. Mm-hmm. And they get there, and it's not just the realm gate. The whole fortress is trashed. There's only a few dozen uh, fire slayers left. Yeah. Fire slayers left. They yeah. have been trashed. And they go down and save the fire slayers, basically. Who, in true uh, Dawi fashion, immediately become doom seekers and swear an oath of vengeance oh, for yeah. their fallen for their fallen hold. So yep. good, so good. Um, then what comes up next? Let's see. Um, Oh, the defense of the Genesis Gate would be forever counted amongst the most noble endeavors of the Hallowed Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I guess we didn't. We forgot to, oh. uh, to to mention, I guess, way at the beginning. So, Gardas still held, even though the Seraphons were thought to have betrayed them. Gardas and the Hallowed Knights still held for uh, the the Stormcast to make it back. Uh, although Gardas died in the process. That's right. That's right. Uh, right, right at the end, his last sight was seeing the the golden. Uh, Stormcast coming through the Genesis Gate. Oh, that's right. Because the um, the the great he was once again fighting another great unclean one. Mm-hmm. Sticks his sword in his guts, starts starts cutting off all his intestines, and this guy grabs him, picks him up, squeezes him, crushes his you know breaks his sternum, mm-hmm. and as he's breaking his bones, all they come pouring through the gate. They beat Nurgle off, but he still he's he's he is he is hurt well, past. 
yeah, it's almost able. like like when he sees it, that's like he knows he can stop. He succeeded. He kept his oath. He he can go reforge now. Yeah. It's, and it, 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 and we can assume that the Genesis Gate held now with the reinforcements that arrived. Mm-hmm. And so he's up in Sigmaron, going around trying to get ready to 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 get ready to see what's happened. And he he's the the Seraphon are on his mind. Oh yeah. Like why did they wait? How come they didn't help us? Like I thought they were like this is bothering him. He knows something mm-hmm. is wrong. And he doesn't know what, and that's really getting to him, and he needs to figure it out. And you get one of the more interesting things here where he goes and he travels alone up to Mount uh, Celestian, and he's kneeling there at this sacred place for days. Mm-hmm. Praying, he can see this a shrine to Dracothian. He knows that the Seraphon are very closely linked to Dracothian and the dragons and any sort of like you know lizard-like characters. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows enough about them to know. So he's praying there, um, not quite feeling it. So apparently gets inspired to go walk into the water, which is cold and he he literally gets like an arrow. <laughs> yeah, like walk this way. <laughs> That's right. Uh, he witnessed the shining spear trace a path. So there's a shooting star, basically, or like the mm-hmm. spear like points right at the. So he goes in there, and as he's cold and wet, he basically astral projects. Yeah, like he he becomes not corporeal, or he becomes, or he becomes. I'm, I'm sure what where it meant corporeal or incorporeal. He, yeah, no, yeah, he yeah. Astral, <laughs> he leaves his body. His spirit leaves his body behind. But he doesn't go to Dracothian. No, but he watched the birth of stars and walks amongst meteor showers unharmed. He felt the hunger of primordial beings as their attention was drawn to his infinitesimal essence, entities unknown to all but the gods and terrible in their immensity and madness. I like this. Uh, this sounds a lot of times like once again when you read the Horus Heresy when they going when they when uh, Magnus and his folk would astral project and there would be all these things out in the cast looking for him. Plus, there's a, a bunch of uh, a, a lot of the writers for at, at Games Workshop. You'll see mentions of very Lovecraftian things. Yeah. Um, I mean, they literally built the emperor's palace. They leveled a mountain and they built it near the plateau of Leng, which is directly out of Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you see all these these ancient creatures known only to the gods, full of madness, I'm like, oh, ho, ho, I like that. <laughs> um, and then he get a golden ziggurat. Of course he is. Why not? And 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 he sees that, and he converses with. This, and there's like I gotta go, and they're like, "No, you're not going there." And then he kind of sees a vision of what's going on. Yeah, yeah he's what, like, "Like, sure, like, I need to go to Excelsius." Nah, yeah, nah, that's not that's not where you're going. <laughs> yeah, the creature spoke not a word, but he felt the force of its answer nonetheless. And it's all in bold, no. Mm-hmm. And then he sees, and then he sees the Vindicarum and the Celestial Vindicators, and that place is under siege, and he has to go help them. And he's like, "Up! Oh, I know what I've got to do." And then when he, and then he wakes up and he's back in the water. And he's like, "Up! Well, we got to go. We got to go. Yep. This pl- They need us down here." Yes. Oh, I mean, the, all, <laughs> all these moving parts. So much insanity going on in this story so far, and we're not. I mean, we're not even. Uh, at, we're not even finished with the second. 
We got a little bit more. We got like three more small parts for Act Two, and then we'll take another break because goodness, there's so much happening. I know, and then like like two with Croak being here. Like I see like this scene happening with Gardas and Croak at the same time. He's also like summoning back that uh, that that Star Seer. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I just imagine it's all like like because like Croak's just like yeah sure like whatever this is nothing for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean his head is so. <sighs> Well, we talk about how Teclas was, you know, taking on twelve battles at once, and it wasn't even—it oh, yeah. wasn't even hard for him. He was like smiling. He, you know, he, he actually had to focus a little bit because it was twelve battles at once, and Lord Croak is just orders of magnitude past that. Right. It's and and, and it's 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 so interesting too because like uh, I th- like so we kind of brushed past it. We touched on it briefly, but Bellacor destroyed this this I think a Seraphon thing of prophecy. Which, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, but like everything used it for prophecy, which is I think why the 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 uh, tow meter wasn't able to foresee what was going to happen. And but but Croak is still powerful enough that he can kind of see certain points, but he can't see the, the small manipulation that Bellacor's doing beneath this. That oh, Seraphon just played it right in my hand by doing what we did. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Well, I mean, everybody should read this anyway. There's, there's yeah, some, yeah. Go read yeah. this because we are. I mean, I'm we're going through this pretty quick. All things being equal, considering everything that's going on in here, we're hitting the highlights, and there's still that many of them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's see. We're okay. Um, so Bellacor is back at his fortress. And I love they talk about the Furies here. And everybody looks down upon the Furies. Nobody ever thinks about them. You know, they're just, everyone thinks of them as carrion, it calls them carrion demons. Nobody gives them a second thought. Because they're like, it's like harpies and stuff. Like, who gives a crap about them? They're not powerful. They don't turn the battle. And because everybody tends to ignore them and think of them as stupid animals, Bellacor uses them as information gatherers and spies and 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 people and way, way to transmit messages back and forth he's he that's that's what he sent to go free that uh, uh lord selston uh from uh marathi's capture right after she took the city and like you know you see the end scene he's walking up on deck he sees a shadow creature with red eyes i'm pretty sure it's one of these that he that mm-hmm. Bellacor sent because that way sigmar knew like will be a little bit distracted because marathi just betrayed you yeah, no, it's yeah. There's he, that's crazy too when they start going through the list of all of, and that's one of the parts that I think we scared. I think that was actually in the Bellacor page, which gave his background, where it basically tells you half the stuff we read in the last three books, he had a finger in it. Yeah, and it's like, oh, really? Yeah, okay. And yeah, destroying that thing of prophecy has blinded everybody to what he's doing, and mm. and to what they're you know, and blind them to each other as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good. Um, and so this, the gate of white gold in Prosperia has not been destroyed yet. And he's like, oh, we got to destroy this. So now he's – Bellacor's got to get up at some – it's like, okay, I'm going to have yeah. to – now, okay, it's like that part in when you're watching all the when you're watching all thirty of the Marvel movies and you see the little thing open and there's the gauntlet. Yeah, and then Thanos like, okay, I'm gonna do this myself, and it's like, oh, yep. all right, here it goes. <laughs> Bellacor is coming now, finally. Um, yeah, the, and and this yeah. is a very like important gate. This is like the the penultimate gate that he needs to. Yeah. Uh, really, really like take over. And it's making noises. It's shuddering. It's bending. It's groaning. Like this is not. 
it's what's taken all the weight it's all those ley lines connecting to all those other gates that Belcor destroyed like this is taking the full force of resisting that last bit of that chaos energy is trying to get in right it, it it's it's taking everything right now like i said like I said, this isn't the, this is the penultimate sacrifice but i think this is the last gate he's he's after right now i think so right yeah but uh it, it, it's such a cool scene because he didn't expect the uh level of defenses that the free guild were going to have uh for because defending the free this. Guild, like, they're awesome yeah and they're they're just crushing it just and and with all the demons everywhere they really can't miss anyway <laughs> yeah that's one of the things there's so many there it's just like this is target practice they're just piling in it's just 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 shoot you'll hit something mm-hmm. um yeah then then like but but they're still getting they hadn't expected such a defense but you've got blood letters and uh, blood thirsters, and then you've got uh, Fatanix, that that the flame dude, like coming through, and he's just burning stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's getting hectic, and it's like okay, things are starting to look a little bad, guys. And then boom, the giant bolts of lightning start hitting. Yep. And you look around, and there they are, figures in white and royal purple, smashed to earth, landing in perfect formation with their shields interlocked, steam rising from their armor as residual electricity crackled around them. The storm-cast eternals of the Sigmarite Brotherhood had arrived to stem the flood of the unclean. These guys not only come down on bolts of lightning, but they come down already in formation. Mm-hmm. These guys are ready to yeah. go. I mean, all of the... You just, I'm just picturing... You know, like the the flames of Zinch and all of this attacks and 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 stuff getting thrown and and all of a sudden the lightning crackles and they come and the shields are all interlocked already and stuff just starts bouncing off of them. It's like they're not coming in and look. They're they are ready before mm-hmm. that lightning finishes hitting the ground. These guys are already in position. I'm like, oh, this is good. You, you gotta think like they're they're up in uh, ha- or uh, uh, Sigmaron. And like they they sense the teleportation coming of riding the lightning. They're probably like in there still starting to swing their hammers. Oh you yeah, know? It's, like that way when they when they teleport down and land, it's with the full force of, of their lightning and the teleportation and everything. It's literally it's a blitzkrieg. It is literally a lightning strike. These guys are dropping in, boom, and they're already going. It's oh, it's so good. <laughs> so uh, the, the Vindicarum, the free city of Vindicarum, was caught unaware. And uh, as soon as rumors of destroyed realm gates reached the ears of the Grand Conclave, they had dispatched the entirety of the Sigmarite Brotherhood under the command of Lord Celestin Axmar Diosis to reinforce the Gate of White Gold. Um, yeah, this is a very important gate for that city. Yes. Very important. And these are the Celestial Vindicators. These are... These are the guys that everybody's afraid of. These are the guys in the stories who will... Who will Purge an entire city. There, you know, these guys will call in the exterminatus really quick if they sense a t- taint of chaos. Mm-hmm. They, they're yeah. the fanatics that Gardas looks at and goes, "Yeah, you guys are a little bit overboard." Yeah, like I pull it back a little bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dial it back about twenty percent, Squirrely Dan. You got to take it easy here. <laughs> um, and then you've got um. 
Yeah, it's uh, Kazarkos. They got you've you've got greater demons coming in and all this stuff. And Lord Celestine Diosis crashed his own hammer into the beast's face with a sickening crunch. So they've got greater demons from all four major gods coming in, and the Celestial Vindicators are just like, nope, <laughs> not having it. Actually, real quick, just to touch on, uh, if you have the current White Dwarf issue 463, there's a little, like, mini battle you can do between a uh, Bloodthirster, and it's a uh, Kazarikos and uh, Fatinax, the... Uh, Oh really? Yeah, the, the Zinchian uh, one, and it's about destroying that Tepok's eye. Oh, that, cool! That ruins the prophecy. So it's kind of like like if you want to like live part of this story, you pick up the latest White Dwarf and. Oh, that's cool. Boys. And meanwhile, uh, Bellicor has hired Skaven. He's hired the uh, Clanation assassins, which we saw in one of the short stories. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got they've got a warp stone bomb. Hey, we yeah. Have we seen like a, a warpstone bomb outside? Like we saw one in uh, the Black Pyramid, right? So they had to try and destroy that, or were they just messing around in there? I don't know what they were trying to do in there. They did mess it up just by like when they gnawed through it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, and it's it's a bad. It's like the one the one scave is like it's burning, and and so he just goes, and the Asian guy just just hamstrings him. Yep. So like, he falls uh, down, and it, you can smell. They said you could smell the burning hair, the singed hair on this Skaven, because this warp stone bomb was ba- it was unstable and was burning through its everything. And it's like, oh, this is good. So they infiltrate another silver tower, and somewhere because it's linked because that that is linked to this uh, white white gold realm gate this silver tower it has the link to it which confused me because i thought they were still i thought this was part of them i thought they you know i'm like they were blowing up little remnants of the first tower because i forgot how much the first tower blowed up already and i'm like wait yeah. so this is a second <laughs> tower so it's second tower yeah they gnaw hole their way into the center of a second silver tower mm-hmm. and set off a bomb yeah, and I don't think it destroys that, but it does enough uh, chaotic energy to finally snuff out this gate. Yeah, because it wrecks it. I mean, it's 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 not destroyed completely. And Bellicor's like, we don't need to destroy another one of these things. But it's now, but it's incapacitated. Like it is, it is no longer operable. It needs repair. But that explosion in its main realm, like you said, in that main area, has now. Yeah, the gates are. Oh, this is so good, and it's crazy. So this is a second tower. The warpstone bomb acquired at ruinous cost from Clan Scryer laid waste to much of the interior of the Silver Tower. But as he desired, it stopped short of destroying it, probably because he didn't want another thousand mile explosion. Because the thing wasn't that far away, I don't think. It, oh yeah, it was probably within that realm. Yeah, because it had to be. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, don't. Don't we don't want this one to actually blow up. <laughs> Just messed up a little. And then so the gate of white gold collapses and becomes a howling vortex spewing the raw stuff of chaos into the skies. Then the light starts to look the sky starts to look bruised mm-hmm. and the light of the high star Sigindil was smothered. Leering demonic faces could be seen within the tortured firmament, and booming laughter rolled across all the lands of Shimon. And they felt in their souls the true horror of their sudden isolation. Now the stakes are high. 
Now, is this our, our Cicatrix mal- maledictum? <laughs> that that warp across the galaxy in it 40K? Feel, it feels it's, like it, doesn't it? It blocks out Sigmar's light, yeah. And now they're cut off. So this this just got real. There's, I mean, I know we've we've talked before. I mean, I mean, you and I have actually talked about, but not on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Just the more you get reforged, and we've talked about it on the air. You know, uh, the more you get reforged, sort of the 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 more it messes with you. Yeah. Um, but it was always this way where like, okay, there's not, a, you know, because remember when this first came out, and you found out if they got killed, they just went back and came back, and you're like, oh. So okay. there's no real stakes in this. There's no real danger in this for them. And it's like, oh, yeah, but if they if they do it too many times, they get weird. Okay, well, that's something at least. And now right. it's like... And now it's... I mean, we saw, we saw it with... Well, I mean, Tometer had those war shrines, which are probably gone now, or somewhere being something that can stop the, the Stormcast souls from leaving an area. And now we have this, which doesn't necessarily like suck them into anything bad but it blocks them and allows anything else to grab those souls yeah and maybe something like you know if you had a certain alliance with a certain bunch of undead mm-hmm. whose whole job is to go around and, and collect up the souls like because they have all that stuff that's specifically designed to capture and, and control them it's especially like, a new model yeah oh uh, yeah <laughs> Oh, and I love when he gets introduced. He's like, oh, he was the worst. And I just wrote above it. Of course he was. Like, of course, yeah. hey, here's the new guy. And boy, was he frightening. Of course he was. He's not going <laughs> to sure. show up and be like, hey, I'm, 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 my name's Ted and I'm just hanging. You know, he was okay. Yeah. He, so, just punching the clock. <laughs> now, this is interesting, though. As the Stormcasts start getting killed, the flesh and armor still turns to lightning. Yes. And they still jump up to the sky, but they can't get through this chaos blanket over the area that is now connected, has, is blocking them. It's cutting them off from mm-hmm. from getting back to Azir. Uh, they hear otherworldly screams as the warrior spirit was engulfed and pulled apart by the maelstrom in the sky. Um, they did not secede, They did not see the panic. But led by the sorcerer wraith Rikenor, the Grim Hailer, so Rikenor shows up. Mm-hmm. Nighthawk came sweeping in across the silver wastes of Prosperus, casting a chilling emerald light over the land. And worst of all were the cruel gas cruciators. Of course they yep, were. Yep. <laughs> um, these entities had been summoned from the darkest recesses of the underworld, hidden dungeons and oubliettes where the living and dead alike were kept in lightless prisons and tormented for attorney. Oubliettes. You know what oubliette means? It's not just French for like dark underworld. Bottle prison. Oh. I learned about this because I teach this in architecture when we talk about castles and dungeons. Okay. Um, it's literally, it's, it's, it's a bottle-shaped prison. Now picture you get put into a cell that's, you know, you, you have to climb down into it, all right? So they open up like the trap door sort of thing and put you in it, and it's bottle-shaped. So it's oh, no. narrow at the top, and then it widens out. So they kind of have to put a ladder in, but you can't, even if you build something up, you can't climb up the walls to get out because as they go up and up and up, then they bend and turn into a narrow opening near the top. So it's literally shaped like a bottle. Huh. And it's it, it, they're cold, they're dank because they're usually underground. The only way out is through the top, and there's no way to do anything to build up because you have to go straight up, and then it bends. You'd have to be climbing basically up, not completely upside down, 
because mm-hmm. it's not a flat ceiling, but it's angled inward. So, man, that's okay. It's nightmarish. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, when they weren't using it to hold people and they could store supplies and stuff, because it was uh, they were mostly dug into the ground and they were cold. Oh yeah. Uh, but even yeah. then, you couldn't do too much with it because you had that narrow opening. Right. So yeah, it was it was a it was a it was a place you did not want to be. So if these things were kept down there, it was that was just a, a torture, just being kept in these places. Uh, so Raikonor, who was promised a glut of secrets from those stormcast spirits, so he's running around. The night hunter basically running around, being like, "You can't get out," and they're grabbing all of the stormcast, and you mm-hmm. know it's like, "Oh, you are going to suffer." Now, yeah, how, like, yeah, yeah. You've been away for a long time. Yeah, uh, from the realm of death. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the lords tells, "Oh, Dios, uh, I think it was Diosis." Uh, Grim Haler so. just cuts him in half. Uh, literally cuts the soul from his body. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right, because his weapon can can just rip your soul out. Uh, and with that done, the end of the Brotherhood came swiftly. Once they cut down the Lord Celestin, the rest of them started to fall. Bellicor felt a sudden ripple of cold and turned to see Lady Olinder. Oh, I love this. So he's doing this, <laughs> and she told him, you know, you better get this to the point where you get your plan done. By the end, this is this is as long as you've got our yep. our allegiance lasts until she shows up. He's not quite done. She's there with her handmaidens. They're like, okay, here's the fight. I'm ready for this. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. She reaches the hourglass out. The big, the, you know, the, he's got the app. It's floating in space above him, and she turns it over. And she's like, "Nah, this is fun." Yeah, so it's full <laughs> again. She's like, "No, you know what? We're getting this. You're giving us what you promised us." We're getting souls of Stormcast. I'll give you more time. Yeah. It's almost like she's coming around to his line of thinking, which is what he wants, which is we're immortal. We can do our thing later. Right. Mm -hmm. It was just great, though, when she turns and then it's like the curse had merely been delayed, not extinguished. Mm -hmm. Um, But now they're going on. But here's the thing. So the gate is not in the big city of Vindicarum. This is right. off their soul. This is outside, yeah, like there's a stronghold outside. So they took down and they destroyed the gate, but now Bellicor is going to hand over the city. Now with all the chaos, with all the realm gates destroyed and, and chaos pouring through this gate, he's going to take the city, trash it, and offer up all of the souls in the city to the chaos gods. And this is, he's like, look, I'm doing what Archaon couldn't do. And this is his big thing. Right. I've, 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 uh, you know, I've ripped down so many of these realm gates. Uh, you, the, the, the way for you, you the, the major chaos gods, to pour through these gates, it, it's open. You just have to, like, I've, I've done everything for you. And to top it off, I'm offering you one of the biggest, uh, m- most well-guarded, most prosperous cities uh, of Sigmar and all of the realm of metal. Yes, I mean, it, like, and I mean, we'll see this uh, this cloud of uh, uh, blocking out the Zier light. Uh, it's it's going to be a much bigger, bigger offering, I think, than he maybe realized because it's not going to just stay around this area. No. And with this, we need to take another break. Um, we've been going about forty minutes, and we're finishing up part two, so we'll take a break, and we will come back with part three: cursed skies. We'll be right back. 
The last of the Seraphon passed through the sacred waters of the Genesis Gate and were lost amid the cloud of vapor and refracted color. Garda's steel soul watched them depart, trying to quash the tide of bitterness that threatened to overwhelm him. Why do they forsake us, he said, his words audible only to Lord Castellan Grimm, who, as always, was at Gardas' side. What purpose can it serve to abandon their allies to disaster? I do not pretend to know the minds of the star lizards, said Grimm. Cowards, roared Retributor Trellis. The battle hangs in the balance and they flee? Focus your mind, snapped Loras Grimm. They come again. Gardas watched as the enemy surged forth once more on his rightmost flank, wading through the crashing waters and hauling their bloated carcasses up onto the narrow promontory upon which the stormcasts fought. The steel souls were few now, bloodied and exhausted after many days of bitter fighting. Their enemy was legion, countless lumbering fleshy horrors demons and mortals alike all droning their praise to the plague father as they advanced clouds of thumb-sized flies whirled and soared about the genesis gate their murmurations forming the hellish impressions of leering faces in the skies above the ground must be held, Gardas roared, so that all his remaining warriors heard every word. The Genesis Gate must remain open lest our comrades be lost. Who will stand with me now? Only the faithful, came the full-throated roar of the Steel Souls. The first foes to clamber up the slick rocks were met with the edge of Sigmarite blades. Gardas slit the throat of a horned creature, slathered head to hoof in foul-smelling moss, and kicked the dying thing back in the river. Grimm's halberd was a flashing blur of silver, carving the heads from heathen filth by the score. And so it went on, a brutal grind of slaughter that thickened the sacred waters of the Genesis Gate with pustulant corpses and unclean blood. Time lost its meaning as day turned to night and then the golden flow of sunrise filtered through the storm clouds. Every wave of enemy attacks cost the lives of another handful of nights. At dawn on the third day, the flood of the enemy host became an unstoppable tidal wave. Drawn by the slaughter, immense shapes dragged their pestilent bulk along the riverbed, visible even amidst the teeming masses of bodies. Greater demons of Nurgle, sensing a chance to befoul the Arkway in the name of their repellent deity. One such beast rolled towards Gardas, crushing a number of helpless liberators beneath its heaving bulk. Its leering, too wide mouth chortled idiotically. Gardas charged, plunging his blade into the monster's belly, driving it deep into its cascading guts. The great unclean one gave a booming laugh as it seized Gardas about the chest and squeezed. The Lord Celestine felt his armor giving way beneath the demon's unnatural strength. He slammed his hammer into the great unclean one's arm over and over again, but the power of his strikes ebbed with each blow. Through a haze of agony, Gardas saw Loris Grimm struggling to reach him, blocked by a mob of baying beastmen. At that moment, the clear peal of war horns split the air. Beyond the Lord Castellant, 
Gardas could see the mists of the Genesis Gate part to reveal a phalanx of golden armored warriors marching beneath tattered banners of gold and blue. The remnants of Lord Celestine Nailet's army of the Eight Points ravaged yet unbroken. These newcomers surged from the Realm Gate, reinforcing those few hallowed knights still standing. Even as his spirit was crushed from his physical frame, an exhausted Gardas felt a surge of relief. He had not failed his god-king, even in death. His shattered body transformed into forks of silver lightning, and he was carried home upon the storm. And we're back. Shimon is aflame. So the rusted wastes are completely trashed. Everything's being destroyed. The realm gates are breaking. And now we're marching on the Vindicarum. The enemy was almost at the gates. And by all accounts, they outnumbered the Vindicarum's garrison at least six to one. Um, you've got all of this happening. The, you know... um. You get the lightning slams down, though, and a full company of Stormcast Eternals with Gardas at the at the helm yep. has arrived to help them. Yep. Gardas and Grimm show up, and uh, reinforcements are here. But he doesn't realize uh, what he just walked into. He just looks out to the horizon going, that doesn't look good. What's nope. that about? Yeah, and now that he's, he's like, oh. And he saw in his vision the Stormcast having trouble, but now he real now it's like, oh, this is... Yeah, this is bad. Yeah, there's been a lot of, like, he's had a lot of crisis of faith during mm -hmm. this book, which is pretty, I mean, since they're the, only the faithful, it's, it's uh, only fitting, I guess, that he goes through it. Well, and he, you know what? He made it through, he made it through Nurgle's realm and all of the depression and all of the the overbearing. I mean, this is a guy whose faith always leads him through, but even he looks at this and goes, oh, we are in trouble. Yeah. Um, it begins to rain blood. As it does. Yep. Um... <laughs> The flagellants are going crazy. The gunnels and alley rays run thick with gore. Um, and I like this because this is where the Vindicarum uh, was not a city that Steel Soul could ever grow to love, mainly because um, the people there are sort of religious extremists. Like everybody is like violent and angry and sort of hateful and. Uh, accusing everybody else of being, you know, not religious enough, not faithful enough. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's all because basically the whole the whole population is terrified of the Celestial Vindicators because they're bananas. Yeah, the Celestial Vindicators don't care about the civilians escaping. When, when Gardas asks about it, they're just like, well, if we die, it's their job to fight. So they'll die. Yeah, they're supposed like, to fight it, too. It, and if they die fighting for Sigmar, that's a, that's a worthy death. What is your problem? Yeah. Yeah, like, like, shut up. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Vindicators had no more than seven chambers present to defend the city, though. So the city was woefully undefended by the Vindicators because they are so aggressive that they are constantly mm -hmm. being sent out of the city to pacify and wipe out the taint of chaos all around. So basically, there's a lot of them in the realm, just none of them are home right now. Right. Well, there's there was quite a few at the uh, that that uh, gate that just fell, and 
now they're being torn apart by. <laughs> yeah, well, no more than seven chambers present. So you got about seven, you know, whatever it is. But you know, mm-hmm. um, but still, it's like, oh, there's a lot of them. Here. They just they're not going to get home in time for this. Like they're they're, no. they're they they know something's up. They're on their way back, but they're not going to get back in time for the main fight. Right. Um. Now, while they're all prepping for this battle, they can see the forces coming towards them. And Gardas is leading his warriors in prayer. Everything's getting ready. Meanwhile, the overlords are having uh, a sky council. Not uh, not just like a, a normal sky council. They, they've only had one of this magnitude before. So, uh, Madralta. This is the second yes. conference of Madralta. And, uh, Madralta so this is a that's big where they, deal. Madralta was where they all came together and wrote up all their... Their, their rules and codes. Yeah, the codes. Yep. yep. So this is a big deal. that they, They're taking this with all seriousness. Mm-hmm. As this is the second conference of Madralta where factionalism and mutual distrust ruled and no one could agree, agree upon a course <laughs> of action and they were completely deadlocked. Nobody agreed because you have the different the different um, groups. And I forget what they call their different groups. Um in the skyport the skyports or the yeah. guild yeah the different and so Barak Nar and Barak Zilfin want to do this and they're like oh you would want to do this you want to make sure that and basically everybody's worried that somebody else is going to gain extra leverage by this and nobody wants to help the rivals gain the extra leverage yeah so nothing too, gets done too driven by profit yeah uh, profit and, and and intergroup politics, you know, mm-hmm. and I realize that might be a foreign concept to us or to some of our listeners from our various different countries, you know, politics getting in the way of progress, but um, <laughs> or, or, or or you know or um, or or money get or money involving in politics, yeah, or... <laughs> money interfering with the politics, which interfering with the progress, but that's what's happening here. And then, and this is right out of a movie. They're all fighting. They're all arguing. And suddenly the doors bust open and in walks a humbled son. Along with that, mm-hmm. uh, along with the, the old dude, with, along with the other guy, who mm-hmm. is just the new guy on the boat, who suddenly is just always with him. Hmm, I don't know what's going mm-hmm. on there. And um, so weathered and grim, he made High Admiral Clark's daughter look e- like a mere Rippling, so the, this 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 white-haired dwarf, this whitish dwarf, um, is there and just making everybody else look young as he marches in, and they're all like, "You can't come in here, you can't bust in like this," and he's like, "You guys gotta stop." He, fight. I mean, he just right raises a, a tattooed fist, and everyone goes, "Oh, shut up now." Yep, exactly. Uh, and then he basically says, "Look, that what's interesting is." When he explains how this change in the gates and this change in the actual land itself, the magic has pushed and pulled and twisted so much that the streams of ether gold are now all going to be converging and moving right over this city. Mm-hmm. So all of the all of the ether gold in the area is moving right through this place. So you may not want to save it, but this is where all the ether gold is going to be going through. And they're like, wait, all the money, all the profit, all of this is going through there. Yeah. That's where it's going. Oh yeah. We got it. Now suddenly they're all like, Oh, we have to save it. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> it was all their own idea to go save it now. Right, exactly. It's like, oh, I, uh, I, you know, I wanted to save it. I just, we just couldn't figure out how to do it. But now uh, this is it. Let's go. And I'm just <laughs> laughing and I'm reading this. I'm yeah. like, this is so fantastic because um, mm-hmm. it is. It's literally out of like all these, all of these so- sort of steampunk sort of movies you've seen. Or these movies where you've got any sort of fantasy movie where they're all arguing, and then the one guy busts in and gives them all a reason to unite, and there it is. Yep, wayward children. Uh huh. Um, I like this. Bellicor looked up at the city he had come to murder. <laughs> uh, and then they had. He just sat there waiting while these open sores in reality. Demons are pouring out of it, and he just sits there, and all the demons are waiting side by side with their mortal enemy, other demons. Mm-hmm. Nobody's fighting amongst each other, though. They're all just waiting. They're all bound to Bellicor, and they're piling in until their numbers covered the volcanic slopes all around the city. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Bellicor raised the Blade of shallows, Shadows and bellowed the order to attack. And this is where you mentioned it, where he says to uh, Lord Celestin Costas Volcar, hey, um, isn't there a place for to put the people in the city? And he looks at him like, an, like he's an idiot. <laughs> and he's like, uh, it's their duty to fight uh, for Sigmar. And if they die in service to Sigmar, that's a worthy death, just like us. So why would you even suggest they shouldn't fight? Uh, probably because they're women and children and old people. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. You fight. <laughs> it's it's like uh, two towers. You see the, like the, the ten year old boy before the battle of uh, right. Yeah, it's like putting the helmet on him. Like, yeah, go fight. <laughs> yeah, except you don't have someone like Aragorn trying to cheer him up and make him feel like he has a chance. It's just like you go fight or we'll kill you. Yeah. And the outer forts are all just being, they're just moving through all the outer places, just burning it all down. Yeah, as not they're moving towards a chance. That, and I'm sorry, I, I totally, you know, we were talking about it earlier, and I keep, I, I was confusing Vindicarum with whatever the, the other name of the city was and the other defenders, the Celestial Brotherhood. So, oh, the, that's, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, the, it was a different. Yeah, because I, I was kind of putting it all, you know, I don't know why I mashed it all together considering the size of the realm. But yeah, the place they were, the, the place that the other gate was is not Vindicarum, but it was not too far away either. Mm-hmm. It was but close it was, enough that yeah, it was important. A completely yeah. different city. Because I thought it was weird, even as I was saying, I stopped and thought about, well, why would the realm gate be outside the city? They literally built cities around the realm gates. That makes no sense. Yeah. Oh, because it was that other city, Plainer, Plainville. Or, yeah, this, this or, one's just on a side of a dormant volcano. But like I said, because that, that uh, first city fell with the, the, the white, white gates, essentially, or Golden Gate, whatever it was called. Um, now that cloud that blocks all the stormcasts from reaching back—that's that's covering everything in Shimon now, more or less. Right, and and they're everywhere. I mean, they're just there, and they're they're fighting and they're killing them by the scores, and it. But it's not thinning their numbers out at all. Every demon they're killing is being replaced by at least one other demon coming up. Like it's just it's beyond hordes at mm-hmm. this point. You're just you're killing off hundreds, if not thousands, of demons, and it's not making a dent. Yeah, Which and it's almost like crazy. What, when the one dies, it just goes to the back of the line. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it's like instantly back. Um, now what happens, the problem is the demons are coming, and they're getting past the defenses, and <laughs> the Dwardens are, the Dwarden are there fighting, uh, and it's and it's regular Dwarden. It's the, you know, the, the ones Free who cities. live in, Yeah. Yep. 
And one whirling gyro bomber swarmed by Zinchian screamers struck a fortified arms gate, struck the fortified arms gate Zool at the southern edge of it. And as it crashed, it started, it, it hit an, it, and started an uh, ammunition crawler on fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the explosion briefly illuminated the sky and created a breach in the wall some two dozen yards across. Yep, and I believe it was Grimm was there, correct? I think so. Yeah. And Vol- uh, Lord Sellis and Volcar swiftly dispatched liberators to stem the tide um, while him and Steel Soul stayed there. But yeah, they're they're basically trying to plug up the hole in the gate that just or in the wall that just happened. Mm-hmm. When and when a gyro bomber crashed into a into a a, a gunpowder truck, yeah, and and the, the Zinch they were they knew what they were doing like in doing this like even even Grim recognized it, but he didn't know how to stop it they they tried but yeah. it just what yeah couldn't couldn't keep up with it and uh, Bellacor is just watching all this happen and he's just pointing in more legions and bringing in more legions and just throwing more and more bodies at it. Uh, mm-hmm. He knows that the dark gods are watching at this point. Like he's got their attention, because if these realm gates are blowing up, and there's some of the realm gates that are controlled on the other side, they're they're connected to the chaos realms. Yeah, like the Garden of Nergal. The yeah, these I mean, exploding I, realm gates would catch their attention. Yeah, and uh, I mean just the mass death that's going here, and all the demons, like the chaos energies. But yeah, it's. Yeah, Bellacor finally stands up from like his uh, his throne of flayed <laughs> flayed humans with some fresh additions to it. Yeah, well, they like, were killing not, all those people. Not, he made himself a throne. He made a throne right there on the battlefield out of dead bodies and some living and some living <laughs> bodies. Yeah, yeah, like that's uh, ooh, that's brutal. And then like, you he's, see he's why, a demon. It, yeah, and then you see why it's this city though. It's the center of Sigmarite faith. And proud symbol of the God King's defiance. This mm-hmm. makes this the perfect gift to them. Mm-hmm. This is this is what um, kind of like the essence that warrior over being a a, a God King uh, that got got Sigmar in trouble when he threw Galmaraz so long ago at the mm-hmm. Battle of whatever right thousand skies or whatever. It's almost like that. This city and this chamber is that that specific embodiment, and it's almost like he's picking on it again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so now Grim is there, and Grim is starting to burn in his out, and he doesn't realize why. And that's because Atrazan, the immolator, showed up again, mm-hmm. and Bellacor told him exactly what to do. And the flame, like basically, everyone else is attacking the warriors while they're busy and distracted, which is seems to be a key uh, element of tactics in this particular book. Mm-hmm. Quick, while they're distracted, run that way. Like, yeah, <laughs> the the Seraphon did it. Um, then the guy in the silver tower tried to do it. Um, yeah, they basically are going for the all the buried supplies of black powder. Yeah, like the entire store of black powder. Like, if we can't stop these guns, like, uh, let's just make sure they can't fire. Not that it matters anyway, but like this, but they know setting this off is going to cause. A massive, massive explosion. Yeah, and then and, and and people re- and it's not like the people defending the city didn't realize what was happening. They tried to keep them out, and they kept them mostly out. And then one, okay, you know, one, uh, what was it? One fire sprite made its way through. Yeah, it, it's like it's like the cartoon, like fire, like like yeah, you know, like just running, 
just the, running through the madness. Like it's all from his perspective. Well, and I'm guessing like I'm, I'm Titans be- of. Yeah, all this stuff is happening as they're blowing it up. It's turning into almost like when you turn the pink horrors into blue horrors into little fire things. It's like this little mm-hmm. fire thing's running through, and it blows up. And boy, oh boy, does it blow up. Uh, the world turned blinding white as a thousand tons of explosives. A thousand tons. So two million pounds of... Vulcamite detonated at once because a thousand tons, two thousand pounds, a thousand thousand that's a million, and it's mm-hmm. two thousand. Yeah, so it's two million pounds of basically black powder under there, <laughs> lifting a section of wall the size of a cog fort into the air and sending it crashing down the mountainside. Well, that's no good. <laughs> uh, I, I just decided to do some quick uh, Googling. So if, if that was dynamite. That's 4.184 gigajoules, which, uh, yeah. I, I mean, thought it was getting, barrels. That, I, I was picturing more like just barrels of, <laughs> of gunpowder, black powder. I, I just went for like just dynamite, just the easiest, because like, oh, that's a big explosion. <laughs> Four, oh, that's just, that's crazy. Like, that, like I'm surprised that uh, the city still stood. <laughs> yeah. A thousand tons good, is a lot. Yeah. Good dwarven engineering right there. And that when that happens, Bella, that's like the signal. Bellacor pulls his sword out and says, "Okay, now." Mm-hmm. And this is what happened. Now the the battle goes, and there's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, Gardas is fighting all these. He, he assumes Grimm's dead at this point. Yeah. Um. You know the the vindicators are fi- everyone's fighting, but there's no reinforcements, no hope. The hallowed knights are falling. Their their lightning is going up and getting stuck. Night haunt are sweeping by and attacking and grabbing their souls, and they just keep fighting. And it gets down to steel soul, Volcar, and no more than a hundred stormcast found themselves cut off and surrounded, along with fewer than eight score free guild. Eight, that's a hundred. That's about a hundred. Well, eight score would be one hundred and sixty. Mm-hmm. So fewer than so maybe a hundred and fifty free guild guard or less, and a hundred stormcast. Yeah, think about it this way. Uh, we all go to major tournaments. All right. We, we've all been to Adepticon. Most of us have been to Adepticon. Mm-hmm. And if you can't, I hope you get to go one day. No kidding. Um, there's more people at Adepticon than standing in this city right now, correct? Yeah, that is surrounded by demons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had 300 at that last... I think it was 300 at the last... Um, last Sigmar. AOS tournament at Adepticon. Mm-hmm. So we had more people playing in that tournament... You might have, or maybe that was a team more, tournament. Maybe but so, but, you might have so. had physically more stormcast in that room than there were at this best battle at this current point. Oh yeah. <laughs> so all this is happening, and who comes marching forward but Bellacor? And he goes oh. and and he picks up a. I, it says he raises a claw, so he kind of tips his claw, like pulls his finger forward, like bring him up. And, well, see, I kind of like though, like before he arrives, like all the demons stop and they start chanting his name, oh, Bellacor. Yeah. Bellacor. It's like, oh, there's a fight happening. I don't know. I don't know who's going to beat Bellacor, but there's a fight about to happen. Well, and when there's and when there's about when there's less than three hundred of your enemy, and there's thousands of you, they can stop, and you're sitting there, and then they ah, then they're and he comes walking up, flips his claw, or, uh, bring him up, and then you see that he's got Grim, all mm-hmm. his armor pulled off. They're whipping him. He's there, and he looks up, and he sees Gardas, and they nod to each other. 
they know what's about to happen. They can't be stopped. And then Bellacor just basically stabs him right through the chest. Now, we don't see him turn to lightning, though. His, Correct. Uh, no, it did. As Grim's corpse slumped to the ground and turned to lightning, Steel Soul, oh, so, uh, Steel Soul roared with anguish. One last appeal to Sigmar to grant him the strength. He so he goes out and so they they basically they pull the end of the Lord of the Rings where they got all that and they just charge. They're like, this, we, what are we gonna do? We can't just stand here. I, I want to keep a side note. Maybe we'll discuss it at the end real quick. But like, Good. I don't. I think Grim could come back. Well, I hope so. I hope that some of these like, guys. I mean, not maybe not everybody got grabbed by the night on. I'd like to think because the battle's going to end soon that maybe some of them didn't get grabbed. Well, here's what I also also am wondering: uh, when Grim lost a hand when he was saving Alarial with the help of the Sylvanath during the Realmgate Wars, mm-hmm. and she healed him, and uh, if you looked at his soul, it was still Azurian magic with a tinge of Alarial's life magic of Kyronite magic. So I'm wondering if he can come back in some form due to that little bit of magic that's mixed in him. Like what if what if the power of Alarial oh, and Sigmar cool. can bring it back? Yeah, like like could we have Gyronite Stormcast? That'd be all, like Sylvanath Stormcast. Oh, Let's that do would it. be interesting. People want a Deathcast or Chaoscast. No, I want I want Sylvanath Cast. No, that's not a, uh, that. Yeah, that would be a nice way to 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 bring him back because they just jacked him. Yeah, they don't like it. Okay, he disappears, but they didn't say that his soul got grabbed. So I'm, I have hope because I love I. I like Grimm more than I like Gardas, if I'm honest <laughs> with you here. <laughs> if and I'm then, the stories. Part and then yeah. Volkar goes out there, and he's our you know Celestial Vindicator. He goes out, and he just gets punked. Uh, Bellacor yeah. takes him down pretty quick. Uh, then, you know, he's fighting Gardas. Gardas doesn't have a chance. Um, Gardas is about to die, and all of a sudden, light starts coming through all the clouds and the darkness. And Gardas puts up a good fight. He goes. He's got full berserk rage mode going on right now, but it's it's nowhere near enough. No, he even knows. Yeah, he's he's not going to f- take out Bellacor. Yeah. But as Bellacor is about to do him in, light starts coming through all the 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 clouds and all the, it, the that that purple sky, and he stops and he looks back. What is that? Well, of course. Because oh, I I know what it is. It's it's my next army. <laughs> <laughs> it's an armada of airships, and they're pushing enough wind and air as they're riding in to push some of these clouds away. Suddenly, the sky opens up, and here comes an entire armada. And basically, everybody comes. Everybody. Yeah. Because yep. once they realize, a, we're not. If if all the if all the seams of ether gold are traveling through this city, a we can't let it fall because if it falls to chaos, we'll never get anything. Right. And b. We can't let everybody else save it and not us because we need to have part, we if we don't we all help, need equal share. Yeah, if we, we don't help, we don't get a share. So everybody goes, and this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, such was the size of Bellacor's host that much of its bulk was still pouring into the city through breaches in the iron collar, and they basically okay every frigate, every ironclad. Every gyro bomber or all, all whatever the gun stocks, basically they all come flying in, just opening fire, and they mm-hmm. it's like you said before they can't miss, right? They're just flying and just bombing everything, and they and it's and plus there's only a couple hundred people who aren't demons there, 
So it's right. like you're not even really in danger of shooting your friends. It's just like if anything is moving, they're carpet bombing the place, basically. But I do like that uh, it mentions here the old white boy beard Gromthy triangulated each salvo with exacting precision. And soon great explosions were rippling through packed enemies. Like, so it's like, sure, we can't miss, but here's how you're doing the most damage. This is what you're doing. It's just like, who is this guy? What's, what's he doing? And not only that, but they're Dwarden. You know what? They're not going to do something halfway. We've yeah. got all these great weapons, all this stuff that's a fine crafted, you know, Dwarden crafted stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's make the most of it. Mm-hmm. They had brought to the battlefield enough guns, bombs, and torpedoes to level a kingdom. And even the massive host <laughs> that had con- conquered Vindicaram withered before their overwhelming firepower. This is just so much fun. This is just yeah. the Dwarden save the day. Everybody's yep. doomed. The city's sacked. And in comes the cavalry, the air cav flying mm-hmm. in. And I love that this, 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 uh, the redoubtable. That new, faster, yep. slightly cooler airship is like the lead one. Well, of I, course, I love that it's it's kind of becoming like a name character. Like, let's. I don't know if we'll do a model for that soon, since it's only a little bit different. But well, uh, and if it's the fastest ship, of course, it's going to be in the front because it's getting there faster. Yep, and that's where Gr- that's where Gromthy is. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, oh, and it is Admiral Imoda Barastotter uh, because it's she was fresh from her exploits in Hish, where she unearthed the activities mm-hmm. of the necromancers so yeah i was her and it's, it's good she was trying to become an admiral so she's fully an admiral now we've yes. seen character growth between these books that's oh god this is so much fun yeah i i, I know how you feel like i'm like but, oh it would be so don't, nice don't let it end gw give us a model <laughs> yeah let's get some of these female uh admiral characters in there i would like to see that you know and granted what's i mean if they're completely covered in armor like a lot of these are so they don't have a beard on their are on their faceplate I, I you know i don't care i just i want i want these these characters so far are earning their keep especially her yeah, like, I, like uh, let's let's be fair and let's be honest here. Uh, we have a new Gardas model. I'm I'm not impressed with what he's been doing through here. He's been a crisis of faith, and he tried to swing at Bellacor. Uh, this well, did this he lady, have a crisis of faith. He never really gave up faith. He knew. I no, mean, he, he came here he no crisis back. He's uh, like, why were my allies betraying me? Why was like, did I bleed my men into a trap? He's always having like this, like this whole book. He's always like kind of doubting himself. Now he. Oh, see, I read that it, different. The, I didn't see it so okay. much as he wanted to know if they betrayed him. It's just why would they, like, I don't understand. I, I think he just didn't understand the Seraphon at all. And it was more oh, of those, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out why they did what they did because it doesn't make sense considering that they're supposed to be our allies. Right. And then he goes out there praying to that, like, just out there, you know, hey, give me a sign. I want to talk to you guys. He actually went to go talk to them to say, hey, what is happening? Why did this just happen? And then they tell him, "Hey, look, you got to go do this." And he goes and does it. Like I just I just read it differently, I guess. I like what he did. He just I mean, well, yeah, like his 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 faith in Sigmar is never shaken. Like we're not, right. I'm not stressing that. Just just his faith in what he knows and understands. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. And and he did save the city. I mean, yeah, he did. He had enough guys. They the the help he brought was able to hold off this hold off the utter destruction, the complete annihilation of everyone in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, not by much, not by much at all. But, but it was, yeah, they held out long <laughs> enough for the literally the cavalry to show up. Right, but uh, we got a great scene here with uh, with Bellacor and, and Gromthy. 
Bellacor jumps up into the air and mm-hmm. forgets, grabs, forgets Gardas. Yeah. Gardas is nothing. Yeah, Gardas is laying there beat. And uh, towards the Caradron vessel that was now dispatching gun-wielding warriors and roaming fire slayer berserkers. So mm-hmm. yeah, so after they've after the 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 redoubtable has blown it's just secrets, blown right? everything yeah. up. They've blown up an area. Now they can drop their fighters onto the ground to do some in close fighting. And now the fire slayers get their chance to come in and get their honor back. Exactly. But Bellacor jumps up there and is just on grabbing onto the ship and is thrashing everyone on this ship. Yeah, like nothing's standing in his way. Like even people are getting like knocked out left and right. Um, but we see Gromthy just slowly walking towards him with just like a little tiny pin, almost like like a like a pin hammer, uh, just coming right right at Bellacor. And Bellacor looks over and sees him, and Bellacor. Uh, his his face changes. He goes, "Uh, I'm not about to fight whatever that is." He knows what that is. He knows right. what Grumpy is. And what's really interesting is, um, Humboldt's son doesn't do too bad either. No, but he puts yeah, he puts up a good fight. He comes out there. He cuts his wings. Like he 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 lays a, a, a some some hits in there. Uh, he grabs him by the head and just fills his head with. Oh, despair. despair. Yeah, yeah. Visions of terror and of his failing and uh, expulsion from the end. Worst of all, now, his ship is in ruins, his skyport aflame, and worst of all, he's expelled from the Endrineers Guild for cowardice and negligence. And he goes into an ale-sodden disgrace and poverty. Mm-hmm. The worst thing that can ha- He lost his ship. He lost his friends. The worst thing that happened is he lost his job, and now he's poor and disgraced. Yep. So you read this and you're like Grumpy, and yes, Grumpy could be Grumbrindle, but and I know he was always no, tough. No, it's not. It's not. You think I mean, he's Grumpy? I thought too. Like early on, it, when I thought before, because like uh, actually, if you've been reading the latest White Dwarfs, they've been doing stories that have Grumbrindle running around as different, different like like he's always like a white dwarf, like right. the white hair and everything, but like he's visiting all the different types of uh, dwarves out there or, or, or Dwarden. Um, I'm dead. Well, and that's why I thought this turning. See, and that's why I, do you think so? See, cause that's why I thought I, it was Grom Brindle because the stories in white dwarf, he's popping up everywhere. See, I, I thought this was Grungy just from the very last part. Well, and that's the that thing. Back and forth. Yeah, that I got confused and that's why I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I keep thinking it's him, but what, then it's like, wait a minute. It, now, here's the thing. It could still go either way. I'm on the Grugny side. The Gromdil side isn't out of the question. But I, I'd re- be sub- regardless, this is an ancient dwarf from the world that was or before. Yeah. I guess, well, I guess the Grugny was still from the world that was. He was born there. So. And who's the other um, one? It's, it's, it was Grun- Grimnir. Gr- Grimnir. And then, Grimnir, right. Yeah, Grimnir's shattered right now, so he doesn't right. fully exist. Grugny's well, the only one that's... Yeah, yeah, and Grungy's here because he's he's he just help and help make all that stuff for Sigmar. Yes, but he also he disappeared. He, he's I don't think he's helping Sigmar anymore. Not at the moment. He, he left his children, which were the Caradron Overlords. So the Caradron Overlords. That's why they went to science and left Faith, and why they're kind of more about profit. So I think this is him trying to get them back on track. Oh, you know that's not a bad idea because in the in the in the part where they're talking afterwards, he's disappointed in him because all he's worried about is the profit. Yeah, like I said, oh. I, it could still be Gromadil. I'm just leaning slightly more. I have like, 
if it went either way, I'd be okay, See, obviously. But like, I'm leaning more towards the grungy. When you when you read this part, I won't deny it because it literally says in here uh, he seemed to stand a foot taller. Oh, here it was. What was that flicker? Oh, uh, let's see. Um, the Arcanaut Gromthy advanced across the deck of the Redoubtable, wielding nothing but a crude riveting hammer, narrowed at one end like a hammer's or miner's pick. Was that a flicker of fear that briefly appeared in the monster's coal black eyes? Gromthy seemed to stand a foot taller, and his weathered ancientness replaced by a fiery strength that seemed to glow from within him. See, there's a fiery strength too, and I'm like, oh, mm, that's that- Grugney's power. He's the Forge Master. With a snarl, the demon Bellicor beat his wings once more, releasing the frigate and spiraling up into the air, swallowed by the raging skies. It was the last thing Humbleton saw before darkness overcame him. So, yeah. And, and see, I, I I see it as, I think if it was Gromadil, Bellicor might be afraid, but he wouldn't have left. If 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 Bellicor's there and going, like, Bellicor knows he's not a god. He's like he, he knows he's powerful, but he's not a god. If he saw a god on the battlefield, he'd peace out quick. Right, and that's and see, and that when that like that one part made me think, but I'm like, would they really be bringing him back? Like, I, that was the one the one th- the reason I, I I hesitated. It's like, are we are we bringing back one of the two dwarven gods? Like, to the are, is are they coming to play now? Because that would be fun. Well, see, yeah, I would love it. And also for another reason, too. Right now, Shaman is in trouble with this ruin storm above it that's uh-huh. also spreading to the other realms. Oh, it is the realm of metal. It's, it's the realm called... of metal, which would be his realm. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because Mar- Marathi kind of has Akshi right now. No one's really fighting around that because Grimnir's not there. <laughs> oh, you're right. It's like it just feels like it's all connecting too well for this to not be grungy in my mind. See, and I, uh, I didn't even put. I, I, it, it. I'm not going to deny that it seemed like it. I just was like, mm-hmm. no way are they bringing back an. Uh, uh, but you know, they've brought in so many other gods. Why wouldn't they? Teclas is. Everyone else is. Mm-hmm. Oh, it'd be great to see a dwarven god coming back. The model might yeah, be full normal sized. <laughs> That'd be is a normal normal human size. Normal size model, yeah. <laughs> So, um, that, that's well, it. The day. Yeah. They I mean, he, the he, yeah, he, he left like, and, and that was where, when he flew off, I'm like, wait, he flew off and left. Like why there was so, but it's like, and I went back and I had to go back and I went to read it again. And I was like, Oh, they literally did. They carpet bombed the place. They killed everything. Yeah. And, and Bellacore, he's like, you know what? I still have time for my final vengeance, this final sacrifice. I still did a lot. I am, I am, the dark gods aren't upset with me right now. Let's not push it. And, you know, because if he, if he would have died there, they right. would just be like, ah, see, you're still a failure. Yeah, despite everything he just did. Yeah, he had been so close to delivering Vindicarum to the dark gods, yet through ill luck and the unforeseen unity of the Caradron, God, you're right. It's not the white dwarf. It probably is Grungni. I didn't think it would be. I'm just like, no way are they bringing a god back. Why would he be doing I mean, that? But it makes total sense. We'll, we'll wait and see. And then, as you pointed out, he's disappointed. He left. He was a he was a creator, and they did, built all this stuff, and all they care about is profit. And mm-hmm. literally sat there, and he's like, you know, with the leverage we have over the Vindicarum, we'll be masters of every skyway from here. And he was just disappointed. What's mm-hmm. your problem? It's business. And he's like, uh, and then he says, "There's nothing I can teach you." Yeah, it's it's and and maybe this isn't him coming back yet. Maybe this is just his first attempt to try and come back. You know, he's oh. trying he's trying to and like and and Grombadil obviously is going to be known to Grungni still. I mean, they're 
probably pretty close at this point in their own way. So maybe maybe that's what Grombadil's going doing. He's going around and like in those little short stories in the White Dwarf, Grombadil's reteaching all these dwarves and what being a Dawi meant from the, yeah. the so maybe he's he's well, trying to he, do it from and that that's angle. the thing and Grombrindle's in those stories he's talking about that he actually calls him you there's hope for the Dawi yet see I mean all the yeah. stuff that I saw in the White Dwarf kept pointing to that and I just didn't it's, think they'd bring a god out but you're making good it, points but like I said I, I I still say this with like still like half a foot still like this could still be Grombadil I'm not <laughs> mad either way I like I want this army either way. I'm not mad either way. <laughs> there you go. So little time for convalescence of heroes. Uh, the Steel Souls Chamber had been ravaged, losing more than half its number. The Vindicarum is in ruin. Um, the surviving Celestial Vindicators and their few remaining mortal auxiliaries had begun the hard, bloody work of cleansing the. Re- so there's there's still demons running around. Okay, no time to rest. We got to go and clear every demon out of the city. Well, I, I also think that these zealots were the ones that uh, like would like like whip themselves and bleed on the ground to purify the land. That's so not right. only so they're probably doing that as well. So it's like but there's no rest. <laughs> there's nope. no rest. Um, the skies, though, above had not cleared. Whatever horror had been unleashed by Bellicor was spreading fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, and, and uh, I mean, <sighs> Bellicor did fail. Um, the who's oh yeah the appearance of the Dwarden Whitebeard whose true nature Bellicor had instantly recognized despite the creature's crude disguise. God, you could be right, but so could you, and that's the best part. <laughs> yeah, that had been a shock indeed to see a power he had long thought lost suddenly return to the realms. Mm. For all his power, he could not risk everything on an encounter in which he did not know all the variables. It was it left a blemish on his victory. The mocking laughter of the dark gods had chased him from the slope. So they, yeah, he they did, and he's mad. But he soothed his ego with the knowledge there was stuff going. There was powers there he couldn't have anticipated. Things happening he couldn't have figured right. out. And the you know, cor- oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was say I, I'm wondering. I'm going to go check this out uh, uh, when we're done recording. The final book during the end times that was the Gotrek and Felix because mm-hmm. it was Gotrek and Felix and like their little crew that mm-hmm. took out Bellacor yes there. was Grompadil there with them I, I might just be putting it there in my mind I don't know I said, I I'm don't, gonna go look I'm yeah. gonna, I, like everyone at home if you have that book go look because that might lead him back towards Grompadil <laughs> sorry that could oh but so the corruption of the firmament had exceeded Bellicor's most ambitious predictions, and even now the unnatural stormfront was expanding, spreading to the other mortal realms like a virulent infection. Oh wow! Uh, and with Bellicor running away, the first, the first, his, the first army, the first legion army, falls apart. We say basically he didn't, he didn't get to do everything he tried. He did, he wasn't completely successful. But even he's like, man, I did a lot. Hey, you know, ninety five percent is still pretty good, Mark. Yep. And then you get that, uh, you get that last scene with the uh, Gromthy talking to the our admiral, where he's disappointed that he's like, yep, and look at all the profits we're gonna make. He's like, you still don't get it. Yeah. But let's let's okay. We've gone forty five minutes. One quick break. Come back. Um, there is, I just, I want to talk about a, one, a, there's a couple of cool things in the rules section that I noticed that I, it just, it got me super excited. 
<laughs> um, and then we'll do that and wrap up the show. It's, it's in the uh, little Battle Tome updates, but we'll talk about that as soon as we come back. The Arconaut Gromthy sat perched upon a pile of scattered debris, puffing away on his pipe as he looked out over the mountainous valleys of the spiral crux. Endrin Master Humboldtson trudged up the winding, shell-damaged stairway to the battlements and approached the Whitebeard. Grim days ahead, Beardling, said Gromthy. But you came together here in common cause, and that's a beginning. Mayhap there's hope for the Dowie yet. Humbleton puzzled at that word, Dowie, an archaic term, and not one that he'd often heard spoken in Beric Zilfen. He studied the strange Dwarden. Gromthy had removed his mask, revealing a weather-beaten face tattooed with archaic scripture and an unruly crown of snowy hair. His skin was the color of an oak and as craggy as that of a rock trogoth. Aye, Humbleton said. Every skyport prospered here to thee. With the leverage we have over the Vindicarians, after this, we'll be masters of every skyway from here to Ayada. Grumpy shot him a frown so full of disappointment that, to his surprise, the Endron master felt a stab of guilt. He'd not felt the like since he was an apprentice back in the shipworks, with old master Krunkas breathing down his neck and pointing out the shoddy joining in his vent work. What's that look for, Arconaut? He blustered, angered by the intractable veteran. Is this not what you wanted after all? It's just business. He turned his back on Gromthy, railing as much at the skies as a tattooed Dwarden. By the code, you think we should have fought and died here for nothing but empty gestures of solidarity? How would that keep the redoubtable afloat? Or the skyports themselves, for that matter? The sound of frenzied chanting interrupted his diatribe. Below, amidst the rubble of the city street, a band of wailing flagellants was shuffling back and forth, lashing themselves so furiously that their blood poured freely to stain the earth. Let these foolish landslogers put their trust in gods and faith, Humbleton muttered, more to himself than to Grumpy. I put mine in a freshly fueled ship and an open horizon. Suppose I cannot grudge you that, came Gromthy's voice, suddenly very old and tired. I only hope it's enough to get you through what's to come. Seems there's nothing I can teach you. Good fortune, Beardling. Mayhap we'll meet again in time. There was a soft rushing sound like wind sweeping across a skyship's hull. When Humbleton turned, the old Arconaut was nowhere to be seen. Only the faintest scent of pipe smoke remained, the sole swiftly vanishing proof that Grumpy had ever been there at all. And we're back. All right, Chuck, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on again. I know you're up pretty late. It's late uh, on the East Coast there, and you're helping out here. Um, and so I'm going to keep this quick. First of all, the Legion of the First Prince, he's, you know, he's got his own 
battle traits and command traits and spells and stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Um, the Night Haunt get two two new hosts that you can be a part of. Mm-hmm. There's the Emerald Host and Rikonor's Condemned, and this is something that just struck me as interesting, um, because a I play Night Haunt, but even I don't you know I don't play it well, but they've got a lot of. Uh, you know, most of the armies they have these little, you know, uh, you know, little bubbles of power. A lot of it's a mm-hmm. lot of bubbles. You got to be near this guy or near that guy or near the other guy. Mm-hmm. And as I'm reading this, I even said it to Harris. I'm like, "This is really cool." And he's like, "What is it?" And I'm like, "Well, if you're playing in Reichenor's Condemned, okay, um, basically, if Reichenor is in the army." And you're playing Reichenor's Condemned. He's treated as a general in addition to the model that is chosen to be the general. Mm-hmm. So you Which pick, we're seeing a lot more. You pick someone rules. else yeah. to be the general, and he also gets to be the general. And a lot of this stuff, when you read the rules, it's like, oh, within six inches of a hero or 12 inches of the general. Mm-hmm. Or even here, the command ability. Pick a chain rasp unit wholly within 12 inches of a hero or 18 inches of a friendly general. So now I've got two generals. Okay, yeah, two I can, power fronts. Yeah. Then, though, I look at the Sorrow Morn Choir. Which is the battalion with Lady Olinder, one unit of Herodons, and two units of Banshees. And um, basically, the, the the cool thing about this is you keep these three units near her, and as long as one of the, any of those units are within three inches of her, if she takes a wound or a mortal wound, uh, before you uh, roll a dice, before you allocate a wound or mortal wound. So if she fails her saves. Roll a die, and on a two-up, you allocate it to one of those units instead, the wounds, and they can't negate it. But, I mean, there's they still get their regular saves. They just can't negate it. No, I think that I think this is like Marathi's, uh, the Kane and Shadow Queen. I think once she fails her saves and then she does a two-up, that mm-hmm. wound goes through no matter what. There's no, no other dice oh, rolled. Oh, okay, so it says, okay, yeah. when it says can't be negated, I didn't know, because I know certain yeah, no, things. Yeah, no save okay. whatsoever, I, I believe. I so believe. either way, though, you got three units of ablative armor for her. And I'm like, well, oh, that's a cool battalion, but then you've got this. Well, I just like that the fact that we're getting battalions with named characters. Mm-hmm. We've been getting that all through Broken Realms. It's great. Yeah. So you got Lady Olinder, two units of Banshees, and a unit of Herodons. If this War Scroll Battalion is included in a Night Haunt army, which it would be a Night Haunt be. army if you take Reichenor's Condemned, Lady Olinder is treated as a general in addition to the model that's chosen as the <laughs> army's general. So I could have Olinder, Reichenor, and my regular general, mm-hmm. and suddenly I've got huge spheres of influence. Yes, you do. Around there. Um I mean, once again, I'd have to go and pull out my Night Haunt book and start looking through it, and I barely had time to finish reading this. But it just, I read that, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This grabbed me. The other thing that grabbed me is apparently all the um, the four the four death endless spells that you bought for Legions of Nagash. Can oh, now, they're now bound, bound for Seraphon. They can now be used for Seraphon. So Seraphon get four... Um, Four endless spells, launching the Soul Seeker, the Soul Screen Bridge, the Shards of Valagar, and the Horror Ghast. Um, they don't get their own, but they got some endless spell. They got somebody else's endless spells. Mm-hmm. Um, 
uh, a bunch of the different units got little bonuses and stuff. We don't have to go into that. The cruel gas cruciators in here, and he's got another thing where you know they've got they've got you know cool little powers. You guys can all look that up. We're really here just to talk about Bellacor. I just wanted to bring up because as I was going through the rules, I was like, I can have three generals on the table, and unlike <laughs> and unlike the uh, Hedonites army that has three generals. Mine aren't fighting <laughs> with each other. No, right? they're working together. Yeah, and I think that's really cool. And it's just a, it's it's a it's something that I want to try out with my Night Haunt army. Like you got excited about the Overlords, and who wouldn't? Um, mm. but I was like, oh, my Night Haunt army's got some some cool new tricks to try. So I was excited about that. So uh, that's Bellacor. Yeah, it, for me, this was my favorite as far as story goes. I mean, I, I I'm still a devoutie of Marathi Kane. Don't get me wrong, but I, yeah. just what this what this story did for so much of the realms. This is a ten out of ten. I put Marathi at a nine out of ten, and I'll put Teclas at eight out of ten. Now we got another one coming up. Yeah, like if they ended if they ended it here, I'd be like, okay, realms are messed up. Yeah, let's see what happens next. But we got what, one more coming. So, and that's the thing. What are they going to do? At least one more. Like, yeah. what's going to happen? I mean. Is it, is it, are we going to find out what's going on with this destruction? Is it going to build on that? Is it going to be something that's just happening while this is happening? Because that was some of the craziest stuff was all of this is going on while these other things are going on. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if it, if it wraps things up or if it just continues on and we just keep the craziness going. Well, and like I said, we're if the rumors that are going around, if we're seeing a third edition coming out, and now you're starting to see people on YouTube, I've seen the third edition rules, and I haven't even looked at a lot of that stuff. Everyone's like, <laughs> oh, you know, I just, I don't know. The rumor stuff, even if it's pretty accurate, I'm just, you know, the book's going to come out eventually, you know, and I haven't looked I'm, at too I'm much put, of it. I'm going to put Daughters on the table no matter what happens. Right. So I'm happy. Daughters Kane, let's go. But if it is coming out, I, this just makes me go, what, what, is, what is it even going to look like in the next edition with all of the changes that are happening in, in the story right now? So I'm just super excited. Mm -hmm. So, um, Chuck, thank you so much for coming on and do this. I can't thank you enough. Um, you've been great. To, and coming on twice in a row, I, I really appreciate it because, once again, it's, you know getting someone who wants to come on and knows what they're talking about and they can do this is just great i really appreciate it yeah no it, it was a fun uh i said i appreciate you bringing me on it was a little like little boyhood dream come true for the little <laughs> war gamer in me that started so long ago listening to you so um I, I hope everyone enjoyed it but yeah it's uh it's great to be here and oh great i'm like i said i'm glad you had a good time so i want to uh, thank our sponsors which includes Chaosrock Superstore. Chaosrock Superstore. <laughs> Six Squared Studios and Grognard Games in Roselle, Illinois. And I also want to one more time thank all of our Patreon patrons, those guys who make this show and everything we do on it possible, that almost 1%. I can't thank you guys enough. Our associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie, and Big Jake. Our executive producer, Colin Miller, and our newest patron, Michael D'Amico. Thank you for being part of the 1%. I can't thank you enough. And folks, until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure.